We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We finally brute forced the community into a loop where we were like, oh, I don't know about this change. Here's actionable feedback. And then here's the community saying, yeah, that actionable feedback will be good. And then they gave us the feedback. Don't veer off of the loop by just complaining and whining about everything. Stay in the loop. Stay in the loop, fam. If there's something that needs to be changed, let's just talk about it like adults. You know what I mean? Like, don't we finally got the loop connected. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the podcast, the show dedicated to talk about all the progress things in life, like music, content creation, and video games. I am one of your co-hosts, Jesse Kazam, and today is the best day in Tarkov history. Mm-hmm. And you're... And I'm happy. Hey! Oh. <clears throat> Veritas is happy. Oh, my God! This is the best day ever. Dude, I mean... There's so much... To talk about, there's so much happened in the last week, in the last week. Let's start with your video first, before we start talking about like the changes, because once we start talking about the changes, we're never even going to stop. We talked last week about you like wanting to make the video and like you were considering about making a video. Last week on the podcast, you talked about the 20 page intro that you were like, I scrapped it and I don't even know if I'm going to do the video. A few days ago you published a video. So you were just like, F it, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna get this out shorter. Like you you would even mention the video, it's shorter than you thought. You then you normally like you scrapped some pages, you were just like, I'm just gonna get this out. Dude, you know what the craziest thing is? It's the video I'm least proud of. I hate it. Dude, I I that's why I wanted to spend like five minutes talking about this because I think and I don't know if you've been able to like retroactively dissect this at all but like as a watcher of all your videos this one impacted me more as well and I knew that and I could tell I could tell in like your voice and in the script that it that you were like kind of just like whatever it's it's well it's not even that so much as when you write I had a 58 page 58 pages or something, I think, uh, maybe 38. I don't know. A lot of script. Yeah. And I kept trying to, I was struggling to figure out how I wanted to yeah. tell this story and make my case yeah. because that the whole, the whole point of the video was not to say, here's what needs to be done. Yeah. It was saying, I want, can we all agree something is wrong? Yeah. And as long as we can all agree something is wrong, 
then now we can have a discussion. Yeah. And um, but but in writing it and changing it and editing it and moving it around and getting frustrated, deleting it, moving it, it wasn't as coherent as I wanted it to be. Yeah. Half of the clips were not the clips I like wanted. I just couldn't find them in time. Yeah, I yeah, gave yeah. up. Like it was in so many ways the worst video I've ever made. Yeah. And I, and it just had a montage at the end that yeah. put everybody in the feels. Well, it, it, not only that, I think that's true. That it really did. That really did. But I think, I think on some level, we're never going to be able to quantify how much any of these things are on some level. Your, uh, it was the right timing. I think some, you know what I mean? I think like, uh, similar to we've talked about on the podcast before about how you would bring up things like the net code. And I was so honeymoon phase with the game where I was like, it's not that bad. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't even notice it. You know what I mean? So I think there's an emotional timing that this video hit, even though you were like, this is basically my Tarkov's not supposed to be fun video I made to a year ago. You know what I mean? I think there's an emotional timing for the community that rung a bell. They were at the, the bottom. Yes. Yes. Additionally, I think the main points you wanted to make in the video, you stuck the landing on those so well, so well, that if some of the other clips weren't fine or if it was a little on the cohesive in other places, you stuck the landing on the, the, the main points of the video so well. A, like the Call of Duty montage was so good because that that that's such an affront to like, the gamer mentality, COD bad, COD bad. Really, it's period. COD bad. It's not even. It used to be COD bad, Tarkov yeah. good, but now everyone hates Tarkov. It's COD bad, Tarkov bad. <laughs> Just don't be like COD. And kind of underneath all of our noses, COD went like swoop and ended up with like we talked about before, as good if not better weapon handling animations, as good if not, and then it got better movement, better this, better that. And so like that montage was so good on the like you know as long as it's not COD movement and the clip. Where you're like trying to jump up on the fence and then you ditch your backpack and you wait for stamina and you try and jump up on the fence and you try and jump up on the fence and then you cut to a clip where you're dude running in cod and you just mantle over something. You just put your hand down, you slide right over it and you, it was like, it was like you get the stank face. You're like, oh, you, you, the visual, yeah. the visual was so good. So like that, <clears throat> that point really landed the whole like stuff. Take take yourself out of this cod or not cod. It's like just just give us good movement. <laughs> and I think uh <clears throat> so I when I I commented on your tweet, I retweeted it, I did a bunch of the stuff and I said it, but I want to say it again because um I saw so many people, and I'm in this category, which is why I don't mind calling these people out. Up until three days ago, I was literally in the category where people, when they talked about old Tarkov, I was the one that said rose-colored glasses, bud. Like, rose-colored glasses, bud. And I think what you did really well is you brought it into, like, early in the video, you said, like, I don't just want old Tarkov. You know what I mean? Like, I don't just want to, like, delete all the progress that was made. It's can we address that there are aspects of old Tarkov that would fit really nicely in the new Tarkov to make a better Tarkov. It's we've lost an essence yeah. that on top of the new game <laughs> would be so would good. Be would fit, would fit yeah. so good. And I saw guys that I normally align with a lot of our thinking. Uh, Hayes, Dan Exert, a lot of the guys, well, I like the tactical, I like the slow, I like the, I was all for the weight system, I was all for inertia, I was all for these things. And I saw them all say the same thing, which including me, which was like, 
holy cow, that was me. I said everybody looked at it through rose-colored glasses. You changed my mind. Willers said the same thing, too. Willers was like, his, his tweet was like, you've convinced me. Bring back old Tarkov, baby. He was the first person to yeah. come in, and I was like, I, I had a lot of people agreeing with me. He was the first person that like I, I had a ton of respect for Yeah, that was like, before the video was out, he was watching me edit it, and he's like, I mean, honestly, like the movement's okay. Like I, I'm not. It's not really that big of a deal. And I was like, mm, I felt a little deflated. Yeah, yeah. And then he watched it. And it was like, Nah, dog, you fucking sold me. Yeah. I was like, oh, you're like, yes. yes. It would have been better. It's better than if he said, I agree with you before, and I agree with you yeah. after. It's it, that I changed his mind. Yeah. Because what you never get to do in Twitch chat is collect all of the thoughts, and and put it together. You know what I mean? And so, I, my. I'd watched it in its entirety multiple times. My jaw was on the floor. The amount of times that um, those clips, it was such a good visual and auditory video. Like, like I said, maybe you didn't get all the clips exactly how you wanted, but it was so, it was so visually engaging. If you play Tarkov a lot, and I think a lot of the haters of the video, uh, and this is like a real statement. Like I was going to four of them. Yeah, I was going to tweet. Uh, well, haters of the and haters of the changes a lot. Okay. So I was going to tweet this early, and I probably will later. If you're saying right now that, oh, well, now it's just like old Tarkov, and everybody's bunny hopping around, and every gun's a laser beam, what you're doing is you're showing the rest of us that you didn't play Tarkov back then. Because what we have today is not like that. It's what we wanted all along, which was something in the middle. And and so, like, the people that are struggling with some of these changes or, or the sh people that were struggling with your video clearly didn't, didn't play back then. But like my jaw was on the floor because I was, I was presented with my own, like, you know, I was always defending it. Like, Oh no, no, no. Rose colored glasses. That, that was all, all those things were broken back then. The stutters, the guns were too laser beamy, but the amount of times, and it was like, you did it for me, Veritas, the amount of times you made your stamina bar so big and like you'd have 50% of your stamina, you get shot once and you're in the red. Well, then you get up from your crouch, you're in the red. You this, and then those old clips, bro, you're like, I, I, those old, even when you didn't have the stamina bar big, I'm looking down in the bottom left hand of the corner and you're like, pow, 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 arm, leg, arm, stomach, arm, leg, and your stamina is just super gradually going down. And my jaw hit my desk when I saw that because like I was finally confronted with like I was emotionally defending all these changes being like oh old Tarkov rose colored glasses but simultaneously daily daily molding about not being able to move or maneuver in this game and I think that was really what made it click for me was like oh there were parts of old Tarkov that were just so much better and we don't have to go all the way back but we can bring these things because that's what I like I you allowed me visually to arrive at your point without you having to say it. And then you said it and that drove it home. And through the clips, you allowed me to arrive at, oh, but today's Tarkov with that movement would be so good. When I was watching those clips and then you were like, yeah, this is what we want. We want today's Tarkov with this. And then I was like, I was so sold. I was so convinced. It was so good. So yeah, it, bravo on the video, man. Like I know, and I knew, I knew before this podcast that you were like, you were going to be like, I'm not super proud of that video. Like you're proud of what the video did, obviously, but I knew we've talked so much about YouTube. I've seen so many of your videos. I knew that that wasn't a like proper Veritas exports that and goes my magnum opus like this. I love it. I knew it, Yeah, but it was so um, good. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of like one of the things I've talked about for a long time too, is like doing the 
actually kind of learned this from Carl Jobst, uh, where he basically said like the best work isn't the most successful work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like he's like doing eighty percent of what you want and twenty percent of what you definitely don't want usually is like what will is like the maximum yeah. you know like a clickbaity title and a thumbnail yeah. but like a good you know like just things like that um i got a perspective on this that i've never had before i learned so much and i don't think we have time for it today but maybe we'll talk about it like next time or, okay. or something um i had streamed i streamed 14 hours that first day the video came out okay and then after that i went and i watched four vods of four different streamers watching, watching the video, the and, video. Um, <coughs> and paid attention to what people in chat were saying and what the streamers were saying and how they were reacting to it. Yeah. Because it's an opportunity very much like when you kill another streamer, you get to see two perspectives. Yeah. 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 It was the opportunity to see how are people consuming my content? Yeah. And I, there was so much that was, kind of mind-blowing i believe that in in all and and af after that day i think i probably watched seven or eight full watch throughs of people reacting and you'd be surprised how many moments there were a couple moments where i really wanted to like drop the hammer yeah and and actually i think i failed a little bit because that's when they would all start talking or commenting. Oh, interesting. Or the people in chat, all of the same. They would all say the same yeah, kinds yeah. of things. You learn um, a lot about the pacing of your video from a consumer's perspective. I The same thing happened to me. My one claim to fame is when I made a video on inertia. I had taken a bunch of footage days before the patch, 12-12, when they added inertia. Like very specific, stand here, run to here, have this, this much weight on. I had a bunch of before. They added inertia. I did a bunch after, and I did like a comparison video. And Summit watched it, and Chad was like, "Yo, Summit, watch your video." So like, I went and watched his vod, and I was cringing the entire time because watching someone watch your video, then you're a you're a consumer all of a sudden. And I was like, "This intro is way too long, Jesse. What the heck?" But when I'm exporting it, I'm like, "Ooh, this is great." And so I know a little bit you of what you're talking about. You see them start to fade, yeah. and it's like, Casey, yeah, get you over? see the yeah. eyes glaze over, and you're like, "No, like." Yeah, that's a really interesting perspective. One one good example um, was the whole well, I was jumping up on the fence thing. Yeah. Everybody was laughing at jumping up on the fence, laughing, saying, oh, that's so fucking hilarious. And I'm talking and I'm saying like my punchline. I just yeah, built important up important things. And and the visuals distracted from the interesting what, the message. Well, it was not that distracted. Because no. Yeah. That, what I should have done was have moved that. 40 seconds later yeah so that while i was while i was talking i was walking towards the fence yeah, and as yeah, soon yeah. as i am done talking i start jumping it, and just let the clip <laughs> speak for itself yeah 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 you know? um so little things like that where i'm like ooh, I, I you know i that's interesting i, I cringe a little bit where yeah. I'm like, damn um yep. a one another really common one was i prefaced the whole thing with and, and this this was a part of me editing re-editing moving editing re-editing move yeah where things were not in the perfect order that I wanted them to be. Mm. So when I was talking about, when I said, I'm wearing level four and five armor in these clips, you tell me, and I, this was my preface, you tell me if you think what you see in these clips is going to motivate me yeah. to use gear or to just go in with a Mosin. 
and then it was just me getting One like tack, running along yeah. fade to black and that was originally like a part of my script that was in a section where i was talking about the whole economy of you buy stims, you buy food, yeah, yeah, you go yeah. in, you die, you repair your stuff, you go in, you die, you repair your stuff. None of it, none of the thing has, it was mostly about like value and economy and, yeah. and whether things are worth it. And, it, but it, it kind of just ended up being in the middle of a section where I was talking about armor yeah. effectiveness. So everybody walked away. Like all the comments were, what does he expect? Well, of course. He got one tap in the head Slick wouldn't help you. Yeah. I kind so, of got that yeah. point, but because we have, you know, 150 hours of talking about this, so I was able to, but, but I can understand how that, yeah, but overall, man, it landed and it was obvious that it landed and it obvious that it didn't land just to me. That video had like 250,000 views in 24 hours. A lot of content creators were retweeting it and saying like, please watch this video. And then because I want to be able to talk to these changes, dude. Okay. So like. That video, uh, Trey's recoil video came out recently, which was talking a lot about like uh, Spectator 9's original video where like the recoil feels like, you know, the the point of contact is still your hand, even if you have a buttstock. I don't know if you saw that yeah. Spectator 9 video where like, which made a lot of sense to me as far as like, like why we're losing our optics and stuff like that. Like, you know, why does it do that? You know what I mean? It would, I would go up with the gun. Anyways. All that came out, and then the community was in like a really interesting spot. I was in a really interesting spot. The 48 hours between today and your video coming out, I was struggling because I had been now convinced that we need some of these things back. I had already been really frustrated at like the movement very specifically for me. I know a lot of people are frustrated about the recoil. The movement has been what's killing me recently. And now I was in this spot where I was like, well, damn it, like, fix it. You know what I mean? Like, I know these changes are just values on a spreadsheet. Fix it. You know what I mean? And uh, I was struggling. I was struggling with those deaths even more. And and I was starting, like, I was texting my buddy, like, and I was like, this is brutal. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how, like, now that I've seen the light, I don't know how I'm going to be able to make it through. And I do. I had people last night, you know, yesterday on my stream last night being like, like, yo, like, do, do you think we're going to see some some movement or some stamina or some recoil changes in this hotfix? And I was like, dude, I was like, man, I would love that. But I was like, I wouldn't expect to see anything if we get anything for months. Like yesterday I was saying this. I was like, great videos and all, but Lamau, dude, like no shot. So <laughs> we wake up today and... You know, I, it's funny. I actually saw your tweet of the little peepo guy drinking the juice just spinning around. That was it. I saw that first. And then I clicked on the comments and everybody was like, dude, like finally getting some some things done like my man. And I was like, yo, what happened? So we actually get some changes. And I want to talk about them. And I'm glad that you've played. I'm glad that you have however long you've been on a few hours now to like to get some stuff. But the original tweet from Battlestate Games said they reduced the recoil angle for all weapons, reduced the stamina penalty when hit by any type of ammo, increased the weight limit while overweight, reduced stamina consumption in various cases, decreased energy and water consumption while in raid, greatly reduced penalties from armored rigs and body armor. And I could not believe it, bro. <laughs> I could. I could not believe it like 
before we even dive into what the changes are, like that's insane. Yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else to say. That fast. Here's. (laughs) Well, I mean, these types of changes are they are literally yes. Like they're not complicated. It's numbers, right? On a Um, spreadsheet that the game references. Like here, here's the thing. Like everybody, everybody, not everybody, but a shit ton of people are have been like thanking me. Of course, it's not. Wasn't just me, right? I yeah. have been saying most of these things, screaming it at the top of my lungs for 18 months. Um, but what what the difference was, was whether it was the video, whether it was everybody was on yeah. the lowest of the lows, right? Um, all of the content creators that, like, showed the love and spread it to their communities. Yeah. As well as the community members. I think they were, like, I don't know whether it was, like, emotionally exhausted or whatever. The, the the I explained this earlier where before let's say there's a hundred people in the community yeah. ten people disagreed and ninety <laughs> people agreed with what I said but eighty of those ninety would agree like this while watching like yep totally true I've been feeling the same shit I've been feeling the same bullshit struggling with money struggling with fights struggling with endurance frustrations whatever yeah and they are kind of silently in agreement and ten people of the of the ninety agree. So for almost two years, yeah, there's been ten people saying yes, ten people saying no, yeah, and it felt and pretty that's split. what's been and exactly, and that's what's been so frustrating. And I feel like this video was the last straw for the other eighty, yeah. to get up off their fucking asses, yeah. and be like, "Yo," and drown out the haters like, like completely. Where the fuck did everybody cut? Co- like, yeah. holy shit, you know, this whole time I felt like. I was kind of not alone, but like on look, looking at a bunch of people, you know, yeah, I, I picture the old like fucking fifties, you know, greaser, they've all got the knives and the chains and they're yeah. about to fight. Right. And it was me and Ford people and then a giant mob on the other side. And yeah. this video releasing was me looking around and then seeing the 7 million, you know, yep. coming behind me. Like we got your back. Yeah. And I think all of that together for sure. Plus all of the, the other content creators um, is what this like. It's so fucking cheesy, but it literally was the community coming together behind for sure. the messages of, of a few of us. For sure. Because it it was it was able to like weaponize the information in a positive way, because if everybody was just like because this is what happens when everybody can get behind something on Twitter, it's just like change this. And everybody has the different definition of what they want changed. And then on the flip side, in the past, you've made videos or I've made videos or Trey's made videos or Clean's made videos about like, I want like a really well thought out video that's like, man, I want this change. But if there isn't a response to the video, then it never makes it to Battlestate Games. And if there's a response, but no actionable information, then nothing happens. So it really was the video was such a specific and pointed and targeted, like just watch, just look for yourself and see how different it is. And what was great about the video was, and reference it against the Raid series, which is ba- which is literally what, because that's the thing, is that, like, you could say old Tarkov isn't what Nikita wants because we, they, he, they changed it. And you can say new Tarkov is what Nikita wants because it's what we have. But all those are arguments and whatever. But to actually have, like, Nikita give us what he wants in a, you know, multi-million dollar budget thing, like, this is what I want it to be like. This is what I want it to feel like. This is what I want it to... 
And then for you to be like, look at these MFers, dude. Homie gets shot in the hand and just, you know, puts the gun on the arm. Like, we don't want, I don't want to be able to rest my gun on my arm. I just want to feel like that guy. I want to feel like an operator. And so it was just this like perfect. The community responded. The other content creators responded. And it was actionable. And don't forget, Nikita, like, Nikita responded. And I, I cannot stress enough because he gets so much shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's basically like me, Clean, and Nikita, you know, probably get like, I, I can't, don't even know how I would compare them, but yeah. like just tons of shit. Yeah. Um, and, and I have to say that I, I genuinely want people to understand he, <clears throat> he gets it and he gets it more and more every time we talk. Yeah. Um he genuinely cares. Yeah. And he sees it. So like so many people are like I'm not really looking forward to I don't think the changes are going to come. There's no way Nikita doesn't give a shit and it I I can't tell you how untrue that is. Yeah. So Which is good. Which is good to hear because I think an easy position for you to take and I think what a lot of people want to take because they love drama is for you to be like, "Okay, yeah, I got it fixed." Nikita doesn't know better. You know what I mean? Nikita, you know, you know what I mean? That that's the easy yeah. thing to be like, yeah, I do know better. And Nikita, you know, but to say like it wasn't a fight with Nikita, it was just finding the way to communicate the right thing yeah. to show. And then that his response wasn't like, fine, you babies, but was like, oh shoot. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like that's really important. To, to know yeah. that distinction, you know, that Nikita wasn't just like middle finger. I'm tired of the complaining, change the numbers on the spreadsheet, but that he was like, I, I, I get it. I understand, you know, we're trying to take the game in this direction and it's valuable to hear feedback from people who put together actual feedback. Let's make, let's make the change. Let's do it. And let's see how it goes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And before when I was talking about the 90 versus the 10, before Nikita was looking at the feedback, right? Whether it's yeah, Reddit yeah. forums, whatever, and he sees ten people say yes, ten people say no, and it's like, well, maybe I if I change something, people are going to be mad, so maybe I don't. You know, yeah. I have my own plans. We're just going to go ahead with it. But then all of a sudden, if you see ninety percent be like, we want this thing, and we feel strongly about it, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, oh, you know. So, so this is why like people need to. The moment you guys get toxic and like shitty. You know, like yeah. Nikita tweets out like, hey, look at my new puppy. And someone's like, fix your fucking game. And it's like, OK, yeah, y- you've made it less likely. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Fix your game for you. Um, Be vocal and be constructive as much as you can. And this proved it. Yeah. You know, battle uh, Tarkov isn't a democracy. Yeah. It's up to Nikita. Yeah. But. The more the more, you know, the more you understand, the more perspective sure. you have. Yeah. The game, sure. the game is going to be better. So, so all that being said, Omega props to Nikita for being willing to, like, be like, oh yeah, I I see it. I see the feedback. I see I see your feedback specifically, and like I I see and understand this content of what you're saying, and then to see the feedback and make changes. And big ups to Battlestay Games. I mean, I I would have bet my entire stashes. I would have bet my my account, my EOD account, that if even if you told me yesterday, 100% Nikita saw the video, liked it, and he's going to change stamina. I would have bet my my 6,000-hour account 
that we wouldn't have seen those changes for six months. And the fact that oh, we saw it was insane. So, um, so there was that, and then, um, and then, yeah, man. So like, so every single thing we did some testing and we looked at some of the like websites and stuff like that and every single thing. So like we can kind of go through the changes, the stamina, which by the way, I tweeted this out and I, I, I tweeted out, I know this patch will go down in history as the recoil patch, but to me, it's the movement patch. Like I'm glad we did some recoil stuff, but this is the movement patch, dude. Literally every single so every single thing that affects your stamina was lessened. Running decreases your stamina less. When you crouch, crouching, it doesn't it doesn't affect your stamina at all until you, until you stand, stand back up. up. And it's like, oh my god, yo, he discovered gravity. And even yes. that, dude, me and Velian were just like teabagging. We were like, look at it, look at how many times we can do it. Like it was crazy. Um, crouching, even getting up from prone reduces less stamina. Um, it also it also affects arm stamina, I think, a little yes. bit too, which is like makes sense. Yep. Getting shot, getting shot. I repeat, getting shot is the the stamina reduction was reduced by like forty or fifty percent when getting shot. I don't know if you saw Valiant's clip. We were in offline. I I I was like pain kill, so you don't limp right and run at me. So he had a full stim, but he wasn't on SJ six. Okay, so he he's like level fifteen endurance, right? So he was pain killed, but he wasn't on any stamina things. And I was like, run at me. And I shot him in the leg, 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 shot him in the arm, shot him in the leg, shot him. In the, and he died before he stopped running on all limb shots. And I was like, like, dude, epic. what you just said was literally like sex in my ears. Dude, he he died before he stopped running. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's what a fucking giga chat. Yes. They die running yes! on their feet. <laughs> Dude, it was so epic. So like, so prone, crouch, just running in general, um, getting shot while running, all of the things that affect running. Uh, overweight was changed. So like the kit that I had been running yesterday, it was an SR25 kit, TV rig, I haven't been overweight one underweight once the whole wipe. I logged on and I was underweight. I was like, oh shoot. So they reduced that. They all it's also how much stamina you lose when overweight was reduced. So now it's harder to be overweight. And when you're overweight, you can still run faster. The amount of uh the amount of speed you lose, you know how the heavier you are, the like lower your max speed is. That was yep. reduced as well. Um the you just everything every single thing so to me this is the movement patch dude um, bro i went i went into factory so epic. i went into factory and the the last two raids i did before we started um i was like rocking a corund um but and before that i had a, a, a gen 4 yeah. assault no not assault uh high mobility whatever the fuck yeah the one HMK, yeah yeah um and uh, messed around with the MP7 and the RPK. And in both of them, it was like, come across a guy, see him, bop, 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 dead. I'm like, fucked up. Another guy comes, and I'm like, bop, 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 bullets. I run around the corner. I start healing. I come up, roll over, bop, 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 kill him. It's like, and then I pick up a gun. I pick up a gun. 
I pick up the rig, and then I look down, and my stamina's full, Ooh. and I run to the exfil, <laughs> and I don't, I'm not walking as I'm opening the door, like, oh, God, oh, God. It was like, dude, it was just it intuitive. Was, it, it just, it felt it was, good. It was 2019. Dude. Yeah. And so, like, and then another sleeper change when it comes to movement is they dr it dramatically, and I think by 50%, reduced the, all of the penalties of armor and armored rigs. And those penalties are turn speed um, and ergonomics. So, like, yeah, so something all, that clean, of, all clean of your guns about. feel better because the ergo hit of your armor and that's the thing is like nobody I never talk about that either I always overlook that I'm always yeah. like oh this has 37 ergo okay cool and then I throw a bunch of armor on and I never even double click I don't even see how much like the helmet the armor how much ergo did that take away I never look at that and so like I was like I was just like ADSing my SR25 I was like what the hell why do I and I was just like turning I was just mousing back just, and forth like, I was like feels I was like why better. do I feel so good and it was like oh it wasn't this wasn't even a gun change. This was an armor change. And and like that's such a sleeper change that and you feel more responsive, more in control of your PMC and snappier with your guns because of an armor change. And that was 100 percent, 100 percent, I'm sure, inspired by a lot of what Clean has talked about. Yeah. Um, we've had conversations about that before where it's like redundant. You yeah. already have the weight penalty. Yes. To your movement. And that already like slows everything down. So having an additional penalty, it's, it's just redundant. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh yeah, man. I mean, so that was all reduced by 50%. I don't know exactly how much, but, uh, reduced the, um, <coughs> decreased energy and water consumption in raid. I mean, I know this is something you have spoken about many times. Um, that's huge. I noticed it today. I was like popping painkillers like candy and I was like still chilling. Um, Dude, killing those two guys, killing another two guys, getting out, dropping their gear. So now I have a now in two raids, I've got three more guns and two more like level four, level five armored rigs. Yeah. With um, some magazines and some stuff. I killed Tagilla twice in a row. And one time he had a blue key card. That's insane, by the way. Like, not I need only am I so bad. I could take his I could take the gear of the kills. I wasn't punished for it. It allowed me yeah. to survive more to be able to kill the boss to be able to then have the chance like i wish you could sell imagine being able to sell that key card for 12 million rubles and how different of an experience you know what i mean like yesterday i, I had 12 186 rubles yeah exactly imagine being like yesterday i had no gear and 600 rubles they make these changes now i have 10 million rubles let a stash full of gear um zero to hero baby like you've never seen it before yeah so, dude, so W changes across the board, WW. So the movement, the movement, the movement, that's the most important thing to me. We talk about the recoil. Um, the recoil changes, uh, well, the recoil changes are interesting. I don't know if you know more about this than I do. It, it appears, I've been, I've been uh, listening to like No Food After Midnight, who knows a lot about this stuff. It feels like, so... It wasn't vertical recoil. It wasn't horizontal recoil. It was a hidden stat from the player called recoil dispersion that doesn't go on a scale to 1 to 100. As I understand it, it goes on a scale of 0 to 40. All guns across the board were reduced by 10. So that's a 25% reduction across the board. 
Uh, I don't know what recoil dispersion does, but it made it so like some guns don't feel that much different. Some guns feel much different. And, and in some cases, like some guns that feel bad felt really good. Some guns that felt good don't feel different. Some guns that felt good feel much better. And some guns that felt bad don't feel that much better. So like, in general, I'm not really for just like a full blanket, especially when it comes to recoil, because some of the guns are already so good. But it definitely did make some guns viable that weren't like yeah. I, I, I grabbed a G36 and I was like, oh, my God, I like this went from completely unusable to usable. So that was an interesting, interesting way to go about it. I haven't played with enough guns to super criticize it or say it's a W yet. But yeah, I don't know. Yeah, like I, 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 I was actually going to work on a video as like a follow up. Yeah, kind of showcasing a bunch of different games and how I think they did recoil and movement better than Tarkov before. And I was gonna, you know, advocate for like this is the kind of, um, so I w- was, you know, most likely arguing for something a little bit different than what we have. Yeah, but what we have. It feels fine. Yeah. Like there's an infinite number. Like if you, you can play a million different first person shooters and they're all going to have different feels. Yeah. And most of them, I played Ready or Not, Insurgency. They all have totally different feelings, but they all feel good. Tarkov felt bad before. It feels, it doesn't feel amazing. Yeah. Like there's still a couple guns with some like weirdness. Yes. But also, and some people have asked and stuff, um, I'm sure they're going to be doing more tweaks and more changes. And we might have more systems. They might have total improvements, whatever. All that matters right now is that I know that they're open to changes. They're going to start tweaking stuff more. And and right now it feels good. Yep. So I'm not going to fucking, I'm, I'm not gonna <laughs> exactly overly. Oh, Nikita, go, can and there's you fix this so and many fix this people and fix doing this? that. Do there's so many people be like, uh, well, I know we just had the best you know day ever, but actually this gun, and it's like, dude, when take, are you gonna fix the audio? Take a though? day, take a few days. Di- let's th- like, to me, like the biggest dub, a huge thing was a few hours later they said uh, we made a balance change, and everyone was like, oh god, did they revert it? And it was like we reduced camera recoil by twenty percent for all weapons. And it made it even better, which is in astounding because camera recoil. Basically, I don't, as I understand camera recoil, it's really just the separation of like my eye from being able to look through the optic, which is like intrinsically feels unrealistic because like watching all those recoil videos, like especially with a rifle, if I'm holding it and any recoil impulse happens to the gun and me. So if it goes up, it's cause I'm going up too. So yeah, maybe there's a little bit, but like there were some really dramatic guns where like you shoot and your guns at a 45 degree angle and your head's at a 90 degree angle. And it's like, why am I so separate? So like, so that made it even better where the guns, because now I, I hopped in, I was off, I hopped into Valiant's chat and I was watching him test the new camera recoil. And there's lots of guns, like the SA-58. The SA-58 still like wiggles when you're shooting it, but you're so much more attached to the gun that it's like, oh, yeah. I could make that work. Like that's not a laser beam. And, that, yep. and that's not 2019 foul. The 2019 foul, you could shoot people from 80 meters away, just headshot, 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 like full auto. That's not the 2019 foul, but it's a hell of a lot better than yesterday's foul. There's slightly yeah. less recoil uh, and the camera recoil. I'm so much more attached to the gun. Like I could make that work. So, uh, but the in the MP7, you know, like within 25 meters is like it, it has some nice natural little bit of bounce back yeah. and forth. But it's 
It's like a laser beam, but it should be because it's a submachine gun. Yes. So in 20 meters, 15 meters, 10 meters, it should be just, I mean, yeah. you saw in the video, but then when you, if you engage like the third or fourth target, you're like, you're not hitting headshots yeah. like yeah. a laser beam. So it, it really like none of the guns that I've tested, at least I now granted, I don't have max level recoil control. I don't have meta guns. Yeah. Maybe they'll have to, it's possible that it'll be OP with yeah. all of those things, but they'll, they can tweak it. Right. Yeah. Like. It's not, you shouldn't just say something isn't perfect, so I'm unhappy with it, right? It's, yeah. we're happy with what we've got. Let's keep moving forward. But right now, like, people crying about the COD movement and the laser beam recoil, and there's no laser beam recoil no. at all. Nope. It, it's, it's infinitely better than it was yesterday. Yeah. And the movement yeah. is, it's, like, marginally faster. Yeah. But it feel like yeah. looking at the people I was playing yeah. against, none of them looked faster. None of it yeah, looked exactly. jankier, but it felt yeah. infinitely better. Yeah. If you're co yeah, if you're complaining about bunny hopping, people playing too fast and laser beam guns today, you just you just haven't played much Tarkov. You just like it's it you haven't you didn't play back when all those things were issues. Like it isn't and that's the thing is like one of the very first things, one of the very first comments I retweeted and I was like, man, I'm so excited about these changes. One of the very first comments was like, doesn't this just take us back to when everybody was bunny, bunny hopping around and laser beam recoil? And I was like, no, like not at all. Like that, like, I don't know what people thought, but like back then we had no weight system. You could literally have 80 kilograms in your bag and you could run, you know, the penalty was maybe 5%, right? You know what I mean? Like there was no weight system. Uh, back then, you you could go an entire wipe without drinking a bottle of water. An entire wipe. You remember back in the day when if you died, you you just arrived back at your stash with max like a hundred full uh like every time you well, died well, you survived health a raid. And water and all energy. your water, yeah. It's just like if you survived a raid, you just had max water and energy again. Like you, you could go a whole wipe without needing water. So it's like I, I never did. I leveled up metabolism as a meme. Yeah. It was something to do. And when we say there were laser beam guns, go look at 2019 M4s and HKs, right? Like, there was no recoil. So, like, this is, like, so much in the middle. Like, this is so much more in the middle of what uh, what we had before. And, and this is what we wanted. When people were excited about the weight system, when people are excited about clean set weapon malfunctions... It was like, it wasn't, I, I want the weight system so that I can't move. It was like, I want to, back then we were like, let's take the edge off some of this stuff. And then we just, you know, we just ripped it to a hundred miles per hour. And it was like, hey, can we, what about 35? 35 seems really good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, a lot of these systems too, weren't necessarily there. Like the weight system, like I'm sure Nikita had the weight system and inertia and all of these things planned far before yeah, people were 360 giga chatting on labs with a juice cannon. Yeah. Otherwise, we wouldn't have seen the numbers in the bottom corner for the weight. Exactly. You know, Seventeen years before any been of these there. Features. Yeah, they've always been there. The hydration and energy have always been there. Yeah, it just so happens that the first few iterations over the like, think about the changes that they just made. You know, last night and today, they we feel better. It's in the right direction. They're going to make more changes that are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. They might have to tweak it. They might. The, what we saw, though, was one of those changes that might have not been the greatest set of changes or over time, a bunch that yeah. kind of compounded over and over again. 
without any movement in the other direction. Yeah. So it was like a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a yes. little bit worse. So much that like it's hard for people to recognize things are getting worse. Like yeah. your hair, you don't see your hair getting longer until you look in the mirror one day. You're like, oh, shit, I got to get a haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, take all that fucking weight off your shoulders. And it's like, oh, wow. Exactly. Now I now I realize what I've been missing. And it helps so. me appreciate like uh, what, uh, what how I described it earlier was, was like they were making a better game while simultaneously removing our ability to enjoy it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. by they didn't have to change much about the game, but they gave us some of the ability, like the, the way in which we enjoy it back. And so now the game feels so fresh and so good in, in more ways than just the movement, in more ways than just the recoil. You know what I mean? And and we can appreciate some of these other things in a in a new light. So so yeah, man, overall, the changes are a W and like God, the, like you know what I mean? Like I, I haven't I really haven't been pulled down by them, but the Debbie Downers are killer. All the even the analytical ones, like, well, this gun's still broken. It's like, dude, take a chill pill. Take a W like they just showed us they were open to tweaking it. You know what I mean? And they were open to feedback about it. Let's not let's not close the loop. You know what I mean? Let's keep the loop open. We finally brute forced the community into a loop where we were like, oh, I don't know about this change. Here's actionable feedback. And then here's the community saying, yeah, that actionable feedback will be good. And then they gave us the feedback. Don't veer off of the loop by just complaining and whining about everything. Keep, stay in the loop. Stay in the loop, fam. If there's something We're that needs to be changed, let's just talk about it like adults. You know what I mean? Like, don't we finally got the loop connected? Stay in the loop. Just provide feedback. Don't lose your god dang mind over it. Just like apply some common sense and let's let's keep the loop going. Yes. Are some guns still OP? Yeah, sure. Do some things need to be changed? Yes. Would I have loved that a part of this movement thing is that I don't go down to one and a half percent movement speed when a leaf touches my left elbow? Yes, I would have loved some of those changes too. But let's take a W here. You know what I mean? And like, and and the people who are, you know, I've seen a bunch of people who are like, well, now all the Giga Chads are just going to be able to move so fast. And it's like, dude, once again, you you don't understand. Like, Rengar's already elite strength and endurance. Velian's already elite strength. I'm already most of the way to elite strength. We were the ones that were already moving really quickly. It's you that benefits from this more than me. Like, you know what I mean? Like, now you can run away when the Giga Chad shoots you because you have actual calves and can run. Like, it, it, it's, it's the casuals benefit from this movement change so much more than the chats yeah. like it's crazy so i so i don't know um at this point i'm gonna just let the changes like speak for themselves yeah, for sure they'll have their mind changes by they it will. or or they won't and subconsciously or consciously i believe that almost everybody that plays the game uh will have their mind changed by that um okay so we wanted we hopped on early for the podcast because we wanted to talk about these changes. We want to talk about the video. However, we also have a surprise guest coming on the show. Is he like ready to rumble? Do the thing? Um, I, yeah, I'm gonna send him uh, the link basically uh, as soon as we go. Yeah, uh, let me do this as, like first. But yeah, uh, yeah. but we we have a surprise guest. I'm super excited. But before we bring him on. I do want to, uh, once again, thank you guys so much for the help and just for like supporting the podcast. It's so sick. We do want to take a second and thank the sponsor for this week's episode of the podcast, and that is Factor. So Factor is you get basically get pre-made, ready-to-eat 
food delivered to your door on a weekly be- uh, basis. So it's 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 a whole nother step of not even having to cook the food. Uh, it's 34 chef prepared, uh, dietitian approved weekly options. So every week you get to pick between 34. Um, and there's always something new to try. You get them delivered right to your door. You can heat them up and ready to go. So for people with a super busy lifestyle um, who are just on the go, who don't really enjoy cooking, who just want to have food ready to go, a lot of people are into meal prepping. Whether you hit the gym or whether you're just at work a lot or whatever, uh, this is a really, really cool way to get fresh, constantly changing, delicious food delivered to your door. So if you have goals, whether those goals are for just eating better or weight loss or just being more efficient with your time. I have tried Factor personally, and uh, the convenience factor of it is through the roof. Once again, being able to log in, change how many meals you get every single week, change what you get every single week. If you want to go keto, if you want to go meats and veggies, uh, all this kind of stuff, uh, it really just feels like it makes a lot of sense. It's laid out really well. The food is delicious, uh, and it's all just delivered to your door. So, uh, Factor is really, really cool. You can achieve or maintain your goals this year with Factor, uh, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. Uh, so get head to factormeals.com slash podcast60 and use code podcast60 to get 60% off your first box. That is code podcast60 at factormeals.com slash podcast60 to get 60% off your first box. This is a great way to start uh, because you can just literally take a huge discount right off your first box. And like we said, there's no commitment. So every mm. single week you can just like change it or stop if you want to. So this is a great way to get in 60% off your first box. Thank you so much to Factor for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. Gracias. Gracias. All right. So massive total like last minute unexpected um, epic guest um, we have with us. Jonathan Blow, the developer of games, many games, Braid, The Witness. Um, I know you. Most of which are not that much like Tarkov, actually. <laughs> yeah, most of which are are yeah not like Tarkov, but uh, in some ways are. Um, I, I know you spent, I think, what like a at least a decade, even before Braid, right? Uh, <laughs> just in the industry, um, and I know at least for a lot of folks outside of those. You know, two games directly, I think a, might be more common that people would recognize you from if they saw Indie Game, the movie. Um, that's how I got introduced to uh, a lot of the names in, in, in the space. Um, so, so yeah, the, re- the reason why we have you on here is obviously because you're just like a indie game designer, legend, developer. Um, but also because out of nowhere, after I had released my video a few days back... I suddenly see a, a, a retweet from Jonathan, but I'm like, Jonathan, like that's can't be but on the thing. Like, oh shit. Okay. And uh, you had like a ton, a ton to say. And I was like, Oh man, yeah. like I'm, I'm the type of person that like writes a tweet responds to my own tweet 17 times. Cause I've got too much to say. And I was like, Oh, this is exactly what we need. And I was surprised to hear that you played Tarkov that you even knew about Tarkov. Um, so how'd you get into Tarkov? Yeah. Like what? You know, I mean, I, I hang out on Twitch once in a while, right? And uh, I actually, I stream, but I usually program, I stream programming, right? So it's sort of a, a different area of Twitch. It's like the back alley of Twitch where people <laughs> don't usually go. Um, but, you know, I game a little bit on stream and I just, you know, Twitch is a great way to see what's going on, right? 
Um, and so back, I don't actually remember what year it was, but I think it was when they first did the Christmas tree, right? Okay. There was like a burst of people coming on yep. because of that. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, what's this game? And I, I got into it. Like back then you still couldn't, I don't know if you can actually buy it today, but back then you would press the buy button and they were like, we'll email you in a couple of days with like a download link or something. Right? <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, but a couple of days later I got to try this game out and it was, it was pretty cool. And, um, I, I like it a lot because it's just its own thing, right? Like most, especially most shooter games, they're aiming to be the highest budget, biggest audience thing. Yeah. And they end up copying each other and you have like mostly the same thing across all these games. But like Tarkov is clearly not doing that. And so as someone who really likes game design, I'm just really interested in the game because of that, right? It's yeah. like, oh, here's here's a game that's doing new work in this category. And, uh, you know, it's it was really, well, I couldn't ever say it was fun to play, but <laughs> <laughs> it's really, you know, interesting to play. And I, I played a bunch. Um, most of my time on the game, I would say, happened before the customs expansion. Okay. Um, and I've played somewhat since then. And then I've played, I would say, very little since Inertia got added. And I don't I don't think that's a coincidence, right? Like it just it feels it felt really bad to move. I don't know how it feels today, right? I don't know if if the new settings Oh, you'll have to give it a try. I uh I think I think you will be pleasantly surprised. Um but yeah. it, you said Everybody in chat just completely acknowledged, like, "Oh, okay, yeah, he plays Tarkov." Uh, when you said, "You know, I don't, I don't know if I have fun," yeah. it was yeah. the, the craziest, the craziest. Um, I don't even know what what to call it. Not coincidence. It, it felt like almost a weird cosmic overlap when I saw your the, your uh, your retweet with your comments, and then I was like pulled up a couple of youtube videos and there's a one like seven minute clip from i think 2012 it's like 10 12 13 years ago and i swear to god you could have been if you would if i had bleeped out braid you could have said tarkov <laughs> and everything you said would have made sense and actually like two or three of the exact phrases i used in the video you used in the video in the interview like 12 years ago that i almost like did i see this and then subconsciously, subconsciously remember it so you said and i would love to have have you expand on some of these things because there's like three or four elements um you said let me look um i i thought it was actually really meaningful that you had said that there are you know there's different genres of film with different emotional expectations um, but video game genres are more on mechanical lines than emotional lines. And that's what separates, in my opinion, it's what separates every first person shooter from every first person shooter, let alone the different genres between them. But just within the genre, it's what are the mechanics? This one's got vaulting. This one's got, you know, uh, prone, all kinds of stuff. This one has jetpacks. You know, this one's in zero gravity. Um, Tarkov, I feel like, was one of the first that I played, at least, that had almost that emotional mm. genre difference 
in very much the same way that like Saving Private Ryan, you play that game or you watch that movie. It's not a happy-go-lucky, enjoyable, fun movie. Yeah. You want to feel kind of like shit, but also you want to feel like some patriotism. Like there's so many other elements. It's not about enjoying the movie. And I feel like Tarkov is like that in a way. Yeah, I mean, I do feel it's different from most shooters in in the way it creates mood, right? Like the mood, Tarkov has a very consistent mood of the world. And the thing that really works about it for me is I think it's more subtle than some other games. Okay, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to name games that I know people who worked on them, right? But like I can think, I can think of games from the past that very explicitly had an agenda of doing this kind of thing. And it came out like just kind of shallow and like not that real, right? So I'm thinking of like Spec Ops The Line, for example. Yeah. That. That's a really old game at this point, right? But the point of that was to be this dystopian world yeah. where the main character was an anti-hero and everything sucked. But it was like, it was just kind of a shallow cartoon version of it, right? Yeah. And somehow, on the other hand, Tarkov has Santa Claus, but it's still actually more of a serious dystopian thing that feels deeper, right? And like, how do you do that? It's like, it's a million different things. It's yeah. a consistency, right? And uh, I don't know, that's something that very few games manage to accomplish. Right? That's a really interesting point on like, I, I haven't played Spec Ops The Line, but I've like, I watched a video on it. And if somebody made like a video essay on like that game and like what it was trying to say and, and the tone it was trying to set. And I found it really interesting. And it is interesting because like, it's what's almost like a hilarious fact about Tarkov is how little any of us largely in the community know about the lore. <laughs> like, like, so the storytelling, the like really overt storytelling of like, this guy's the bad guy, this guy's the good guy, this guy's the fractured hero. There isn't that. There is no, we don't know anybody's names really. You know what I mean? A lot a lot of people are like stunned to find out that the USEC faction are actually like the bad guys in the lore. And so it is interesting that Tarkov is able to like give you that, ex- or at least a part of that experience without the very traditional like narrative of like, who are you and where are you going and why are you trying to get there? They do it all ex- like experientially. I don't think that's a word by like allowing you to share in the loss. You know, when you die, you lose everything, you know, suck it, middle finger to you, figure out a way to do it. And and I think like they've been surprised at how much that resonated with people because of how different it is. But that's just a really interesting point that it's like the whole experience they've been able to give has almost been like sans narrative. And they're kind of trying to do that a little bit now with like Lightkeeper and some of the lore. And so, and how other shooters that have maybe tried to do that fell a little flat because it was just a similar experience mechanically with a different, with different lore. And maybe that hasn't been able to get the player as far as they wanted to get them. Yeah, I mean, this is sort of the opportunity that you have in a multiplayer game. I mean, it's a problem and it's an opportunity, right? Like in a single player game, it's naturally like you could have all these characters that you meet and like cut scenes and whatever, right? And in a multiplayer game, first of all, you don't really want to focus on those because you're making the multiplayer. But then second, even if you put those in, they get old really fast. Like you play a multiplayer game a long time usually. Yeah, yeah. How how much are you going to watch these cutscenes or whatever? So they naturally become a minority of the game. And so you end up with this kind of world building, right, that single player people do, I think, less well. 
because they don't get as much practice at it, which is just like, what's in the world? It's like, okay, here's, here's, a, here's a loot location. Um, we're gonna call it the USEC stash. And it's like the backstory is some guys hold up there for a little bit while they were trying to get somewhere else or something. And like, you just pile up a hundred of those or a thousand of them. Yeah. And then you have a world full of things. And the thing is your, your subconscious sees these things and even when you don't totally understand all the individual ones they still weave together and like make something yeah and and a lot of games don't have that a lot of games try to hit you over the head with the thing yeah And, and so it's often called you know environmental storytelling which is when you put these things in the world that you draw your own conclusions about and um really that's the majority of the kind of storytelling in Tarkov. I mean, there's a little bit of quests. Yeah. Now there's the light keeper, but, but almost everything is environment. And yeah. I mean, if you like, I think in Tarkov, there's a very dramatic improvement over time in like how good the maps are and, and how good that kind of information is in the maps. Right. Like if you go to, you know, shoreline or something, there's like not a lot of that. And if you look mm. at streets, there's just like tons of detail everywhere. And so it's definitely something there. It seems to me that they're very interested in and very deliberate about. You know? Yeah, for sure. One of the um, one of the things this this is going to be like a almost like a totally selfish uh, line of questions, because <laughs> I I don't get to talk to game designers ever. Right. Yeah. I, I um I get to talk to Twitch chat, which are all, are all <laughs> professional game designers. Yeah, we're all good. Yeah. Um, and so, but I've always been fascinated and interested in f- tried to focus on what aspects of games make them good that aren't obvious. Um, yeah. it's, it's so easy to point to the obvious things and say, oh, I like this game because of this. I like this game because of this. And one of the things that comes up and and it's something that you had said in that same uh, that same interview from like 2012 was that you aren't designing your games specifically to be fun um you don't want to give the players the full like you know here's every hint you need let me interrupt you like you want to treat them like adults um you said you want to respect their time, which is something I said. I want a game mm. that respects my time. I saw that video after. I was like, Jesus <laughs> was Christ, like, really? In the video, yeah. Holy crap! Um, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to like get my brain to the <laughs> to the to the actual like meat of the question. Yeah. One thing that is constantly, I think, misunderstood, and I want to know if like my take on this is accurate at all. It's the idea that Tarkov isn't meant to be fun. And the logical conclusions that people come to are anytime you're not having fun, it's good and it's intended. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that is a thing. So there's even simpler versions of that, right? So even ignoring the big question of fun, not fun, you can go to any simple mechanic, like, um, I don't know, like uh, my, my brain is, is blanking right now. Um, but you like, like, for example, some justification for why the movement has to be slow, right? Yeah. It's like, well, we don't, we don't want people to just 
blaze through the map. We, you know, we want sniping to be viable, right? We want, yeah. you know, whatever list of things that you can get, right? And the thing that happens is if you're not a game designer, it's very easy to look at the goal, which was like, oh, we want sniping to be viable or whatever, right? Or, you know, we don't want, we don't want fights to look like Call of Duty where you're running around with a chicken with your, or, or like, what's the game? Um, oh God, I'm trying to remember the name of this game. Uh, Hyper something. A hyperscape. Hyperscape, yeah. Hyperscape. Oh my God, dude. I, I all death forward out of that game. After, like, the second fight. Cause just like indoors guys are like bouncing off the ceiling all the time. It was absurd. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't play it. Um, but, uh, so you have that goal, right? And then you have in the game, some way that that goal was attempted to be accomplished and possibly even mm -hmm. accomplished. Right. And then people will use that as a justification. Anytime you get into an argument with them, which by the way, um, the prerequisite for being a game designer is you gotta be a dude with opinions about what you don't like in games, right? Because that's how you do something that other people aren't doing. And so that's who I was way back when I was a teenager or someone. I just had a lot of opinions about games and then eventually I just turned that into designing them, right? But so, um, just because one thing kind of accomplishes that goal, first of all, doesn't mean it's the only way to accomplish that goal. It certainly doesn't mean it's the best way to accomplish that goal. And in fact, it may be quite a bad way to accomplish the goal. So one thing that I was saying in that tweet, thread, <laughs> right? But, but people, people who want to argue with you will not see or acknowledge any of that. They'll yeah. say it has to be the way it is because that accomplishes this thing. And it's like, but, but hold on, right? So one of the things I said in that tweet thread was just, it's almost the natural pattern to fall into when you're designing a game is you have some you have some picture in your mind about what the game's going to be like and that's awesome right and then you start making the game and it doesn't match the picture and you're like oh man yeah. I, I want it to be more like the awesome thing and so you start fixing it <laughs> and how do you fix it well like I observe that this thing that I want to happen isn't really happening so let's make this change and let's make this change and often those changes involve, <laughs> slowing the player down, impeding the player, making the player do a bunch of stuff before they can do the other thing, right? Or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, and it, like a common, a common phrase is like, first the player has to, or now the player has to, or whatever. And the problem is you just start stacking a bunch of those. And then your game is just a bummer because it's all about preventing the player from, yeah. from everything, yeah. right? And now, but step by step, each step was maybe justifiable, but then yeah. you got somewhere like, you know, and so what I was saying in those tweets was there's a kind of a magic where sometimes you can take a step back and you can see like, okay, I'm trying to do these things. And I had these initial ideas that are like, okay, thing A, I'm going to solve with you know, getting in the way of the player A and thing B, I'm going to solve by getting in the way of the player B. But sometimes you can step back and be like, wait, now that I have more experience thinking about this game, there's like, if I change this one thing that I wasn't even thinking about, it fixes like three of these problems, right? It's like a nonlinear way yeah. of attacking. The That's design. the best engineering when you think you find some elegant way to like fix a bunch of stuff all at once. Like, yeah. Oh. And it feels like, <laughs> no, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just gonna say no, I, and and it, I I 
I totally track what you're saying, and it feels like exactly just like one thing not related can positively affect three things that you didn't realize. The reverse happens where like if it's like almost like too easy of a solution where it's like this is a thing I don't want the player to do. Let me just hit it on the hammer, you know, on the head with a hammer and it'll stop that thing. It's like, well, where does that spider off into? And 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 like the phrase in your tweet thread was, you know, the problem is that X1, X2, and X3 almost always take form of frictions the player must be born by or must be born by the player. And and that, like, in the context of Tarkov, when we were watching Veritas's video and talking about it, it was like, I feel like that almost was, like, literally. Like, I, I felt like I was playing the game in molasses. I felt like I was, like, being... I was dragging my, play, my player along to do what I wanted to do. I almost felt that word friction, like, physically. I was like, I feel like I yeah. anything I want to accomplish... I am immediately in the status quo as I am impeded in accomplishing that task and I must overcome. And at a macro level, that might be good on beating a game or beating a boss or getting to a particular place. But on like spawning in and just traversing, I felt that friction. And and it was just like the way that you put it. I, as a longtime player of Tarkov, I was able to just so easily reverse engineer all these things in a vacuum. Inertia, the weight system, all these things that might be a good additions to the game. But in a vacuum, to address a specific thing might even be an elegant solution or a good solution or the best solution. But at the macro level, all of these things came together and just like without realizing it, the analogy Veritas just used before you hopped on is you don't like your hair grows every single day, but you don't realize it until you're just like, I need to get a haircut. And I felt like that was just what happened to the Tarkov community over the past 48 hours. We all just looked in the mirror and went like, I need a haircut. Like, I can't do anything like. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, two things to say about that is, um, one is there's a flip side to all of that, which is, this is also why games can be really hard to tune, right? Because you change one thing and you think you're addressing one problem and it changes like seven other things about the game. And like, now you're like, oh man, right? And, um, but the other thing is, you know, you guys, you guys sort of have it better than everybody else and also maybe worse. Let's say worse because you spend so much time playing this game you have way more investment in it, so you suffer from it. Yeah, the, you suffer from the problems more, but you also have it better because you have so much time on the game that, like, you're adapted to it and you can deal yeah. with the problems better. So, like, my experience with Tarkov, it's very valuable as a designer to just think about like what happens when somebody first sits down to play your game, right? And my experience with Tarkov, even back before all these changes, it's very hard as a new player because, like, you drop in. You have some starting gear, which like back then you had more than today, I think. Um, And then you probably die, right? So you had some gun, like say I pulled out my M4, I died with it. Oh, I can scav. Scav has like, you know, the AK with no dust cover, no butt stock or whatever. And you shoot four bullets and you're looking at the ceiling and it feels totally different than the M4 that you were just shooting. So like as a player trying to build the muscle memory, it's very hard already, right? Because... And like the design of the game is like you probably don't even use the same gun twice in a row until you've played like 17 raids or something like I don't even know that's very hard to deal with right and the key mappings and stuff and so one thing I didn't get into in the tweet thread about the stamina which um, you know was was one of my least favorite things last time I played was how you know I'm low on stamina and like I'm trying to do stuff and it just the game just doesn't do that stuff. Yeah. 
but there's no indicator that it was because I was low on stamina, which again, I had, I had enough hours in the game that I kind of knew to look down at the stamina bar and stuff. But a new player is just going to be like, well, half the time my guy doesn't really do stuff. They're going to make sure their keyboard is plugged in. Like you're (laughs) you're going to think something's wrong. Well, because there's also mistakes you naturally make, right? So going back and forth between like, you know, what games was I playing before and during like PUBG, like Blackout, like whatever other battlefield and whatever, like prone was maybe X in some of those games and like double tapping control and other ones. Yeah. And, like C. and like, so maybe sometimes you're fat fingering and sometimes you remember the right thing. Just like as a new player, these are all these mistakes that you make. And then the game not doing the thing on purpose. Yeah. You don't know if it, if it didn't do it on purpose or if you hit the wrong key or if you were just confused and panicking because you're getting shot at, like it's a very hard new player experience. So um, that's one reason why I'm in favor of a lot of these changes, because just like if you can control your character better, um, it just helps with all of this stuff, right? It allows you to focus on the million other things that aren't in other games, like having magazines and knowing how many bullets are in them. Like there's so many things you have to focus on. It's impossible for new players now, I'm sure. It was already impossible for us back then. Um, on that same topic, yeah. I think it's kind of sort of fascinating in a way how, I don't know if this happens in other games, how I feel like the experience, the learning, the honing of, of skills, abilities, of knowledge about the game, better or worse, the game, I don't know that it could function without the content creators around it and without like the wiki. Yeah. I don't think it could. No, I don't think it could. And that's, and I, sometimes the thought comes into my mind, like, is that a strength of the design? Like that it's challenging or is that my gut tells me it's a weakness in, in that good games, like as you've described before, um, they give you the tools and respect you enough to figure it out. But, you know, a riddle that doesn't let you like logically come to one conclusion is a shitty riddle. I used to do at my grandmother's house. She had these books, these lateral thinking problem books. And I always was frustrated because you would think that there was one solution and it always ended up being just an arbitrary one. Like the one was an old man is drinking a cup of tea. He suddenly goes blind. What happened? Like, I don't know, a fucking sniper across the window. (laughs) It was an old man during World War... It turns out he left his spoon in the cup and he went to go sip and it poked him in the eye. Like, that's the answer? There's no way that you could come to that. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, on that's your what own. Yeah. Sometimes feels like, you know, in Tarkov. So is it crazy for me to assume that that's not a strength, right? Like, that's maybe a shortcoming that hopefully they'll address in the future. I mean, I'm sure that they would plan to. I mean, I, I don't know. I can't speak for them. Yeah. But, um, you know, there is a way. So as a small developer, you kind of do you use whatever advantages you could use, right? To get your game off the ground and get it going. And if it's like, well, you know, yeah, it's totally undocumented how the hell <laughs> you successfully get off the map once you enter, but the community is telling each other it's fine. Yeah. We can deal with that later. You can just kind of roll with it. Like, like everybody has priorities, right? And clearly for Tarkov, they have some priorities that I wouldn't totally agree with, right? But among them was like, let's build out the maps and build out the world and add guns and all these things, right? And so that's what they've been doing. And they obviously care more about that than like, that you know where to extract. 
<laughs> that's, that's literally the example that I gave. Um, the example that I wrote down. To me, the novice game designer in me says, make sure that there's an in-game map. Even if it's half in Russian or whatever. And like yeah. on the map, put the X-fills. Yeah. That respects the player enough to know, hey, the information's there. Use your brain to find it. Yeah. And so then when you're sitting in the in the raid, I mean, my earliest, my first montage I made four years ago in Tarkov, my favorite scene is I'm sitting there staring at the in-game map, and all of a sudden it's like, bang, I get shot. I'm like, no, I was looking at the map. Like, come on, you know. But that was like, it was fun because I was immersed, you know, yeah. but I was looking, I was looking for an X-fill, and they don't have the X-fills on the map. And what you I know, think- so it's like Go ahead. You can finish that thought. I was going to say, so it, it's, there's like a disconnect between, ironically enough, Nikita's like, I yeah. don't like the wikis and I don't like the guides. I, I want people to figure it out. You th- Then you need yeah. to like give us the maps with the X fills on there and make it so yeah. that we can buy them and take them in. And then, and, and then that's what's weird about it is that like, I, and I don't know, once again, I'm not a game designer and I definitely can't speak for BSG's priorities, but if they don't want those things, it feels like they're tripping down farther into them. Like it feels like some of the newer quests are designed through the lens of knowing it's all going to be on the wiki anyway. So I'm going to make it hard for the wiki to accurately communicate the information. And and that feels like a step farther into that black hole, as opposed to a step back where we bring more information to the game like, you know, some of the new Lightkeeper quests, just like random things arbitrarily can't, items that you need to craft things to turn in for Lightkeeper quests. So components of a recipe for a thing that you need, some of those components you just can't put in your scare container, and they're rare. Yeah. And it's like, Okay, so I have no feedback. Nothing tells me I can't put this in my secure container. It's rare. I've been tracing this thing forever. The wiki's really vague about where it can spawn because it can spawn everywhere. I finally found one, and I can't use the mechanic that the game has given me to save this item. I need this. I have the secure container. The, the game is telling me you have the secure containers to save items you need, and now I arbitrarily can't save this thing. And then it's like, well, it's because this quest is harder. And it's like, but it doesn't... What do you mean? Like, it feels like they're just, like, tripping farther down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean, I kind of understand why, though, right? And and there's, again, I can't really speak for, for sure. developer, but if it were my game and I were trying to make this, there's sort of two reasons. One is that all of the solutions that other games take toward, you know, understanding, uh, you know, the earlier part you were talking about, about understanding, you know, quests and <coughs> progression and stuff. Um, you know, like Assassin's Creed or whatever has a million HUD markers everywhere. And yeah. you play that game, and they work so hard, like, making a lush world, but you don't see the world because you're looking yeah. at the HUD markers, right? And so, obviously, you know, Nikita doesn't want that, right? So, great. Respect, right? And then the other problem that I suspect that they're thinking about, which is a hard problem also. So, well, the reason that one's a hard problem is you have to come up with a new solution to all this stuff that's embedded in the world. Yeah. That feels like the world. And, you know, those quests, the way the quests work right now is pretty far from that. And so what what would you even do? And maybe they have an idea for what they would do, but it's just really hard and takes a lot of work. Yeah. Right? I don't know. But the yeah. second thing is, you know, with, with Tarkov, um, I have never gotten here, but I observe that most streamers do, right? Like the win condition of the game right now 
is that you kind of top out in terms of being successful at it. And then you, you kind of get bored. It's like, I've done all the things I've, I've got more money than I need. Yeah. And I, I know how to make more money over time. And, and then why is the game interesting to still play? And the answer right now is, well, we do a wipe, right? Yeah. But um, that's not, you know, you would like as a designer, a better answer than that. And, and so you have this question of like, how do you make the game viable as a thing that doesn't wipe all the time, right? Like what, how do you make it interesting to keep playing? And one answer to that, which helps, but I don't think is that good of a permanent answer. It's clearly not a permanent, but you add more quests and you make them harder is you're just extending that period that people have something interesting that they can do. Yeah. But the problem they also have is now they have streamers with years of experience playing their game and everybody can blow through the content much faster than they did the first time they played, right? Yeah. And so so it doesn't really extend the playtime by that much for those people. Um, but, you know, if you, if you were thinking about the game as, I want someone to be able to play this for three years without a wipe and not be done with all the quests, like how do you do that? And mm. well, you make them harder, right? And, but like I said, there's, there's good ways of making them harder and bad ways yeah. of making them harder, right? I haven't played the, you know, any of the specific quests you're talking about. I haven't played since like Keeper at all. Yeah. I'm traveling them on a laptop. But um, like sometimes that's affected by other things, right? So if it feels <laughs> unfair or uncool that you have to extract with this item, then maybe as a designer, you address the things that make it feel unfair. So like if the net code's better, if you feel more like when you die, it's your fault. If you have more survivability, if you're trying to avoid combat, like one of my most frustrating times, like the first time I played Tarkov, it was like, you know, way toward the end of a wipe again, because it was like, you know, Christmas, right? Yeah. And um, I was trying to do the Jaeger quest on Woods where like you get the note, right? And get it out of the raid. And it took... I want to say nine tries because I was just getting killed. I don't know by like people with thermals or like back then the scabs saw you very clearly, uh. very far away, like through grass and you couldn't see them. It was like they had thermal <laughs> eyeballs. And like, I was like, I'm just trying to go in woods and stay away from everything and get this note and leave. And I died nine times in a row and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and, um, but if you felt less like that, um, and well, here's the thing about loot in the game, right? And I think this is this is a side effect of the game starting with a small number of maps and then growing, right? And that is just, you know, there's some variation among maps about what you find there, but mostly it's like maps are kind of the same, and quests is why you go to different ones. And so, like, yep. you know, on a given map, it's like, oh, this building has a lot of meds, right? Yeah, this one has a bunch of jackets or whatever. But, but, you know, say you wanted to get some very specific item. If you knew that there was a map where that item was much more likely than other maps, then at least you have some choice as the player about what you're doing. And you're not just waiting for the game to randomly, like, I'm not yeah. leaving Jaeger crashes until the RNG gives me the item, right? Yeah. That's what sucks, right? If you feel like you can do something deliberate to get the item, then and then you fail at that, that's on you, and that's a good game, right? <laughs> But now you can craft it or buy it on the flea market, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is is one of those things that I think was a response to yeah. people very much like, you know, what you were saying, 
where I'm like, I'm struggling to do the thing. I can't do it. So these like not, you know, 10 billion hour people who are playing it a little bit more casually can't do the thing. I need to give them a way to do it. And so rather than like improve covert movement, rather than, you know, like whatever that, that thing is, um, then they just give them the like mobile mini game where they can, oh, well, you just click the thing and wait three hours. Yep. Um, and then a huge focus of the gameplay loop becomes reliant on these things. And then they build three or four more mechanics into the game, a bunch more quests that rely on it. And then it, it's, it's at this point, I feel like it's inexorably connected. Everything's intertwined to the point where you got to go and do like a food run. And then the next one has to be the, the quest run. And then the next one has to be the thing, the money run money so run. that you can have enough money to buy the stims to, uh, and to repair your armor so that you can go in. And then if you die, okay, start over from square one. Okay. I got to do the, the money run. I got to do the, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, game design is hard though, right? Yeah. So like, nah, all it's, of these sure things, it's easy. What do you mean? I mean, <laughs> especially when you're doing something different from all other games. Yeah. Right? Like yep. if you're just copying other games and trying to improve them, that's yeah. pretty easy. You have a baseline that you know works. And here um, it's just very different. So like, how do you do this in a way, in a way that's better is always, it's a very open-ended question. It's a very hard question. Um, I kind of think, so you mentioned, you know, crafting and the flea market, um, which both on the one hand, I think those are necessary and useful parts of the game. I also think they both ruin the game. Um, and I would I would do them very differently. Um, I don't exactly know if what I would do would work, yeah. but like, you know, it, I, I, it's just so so changes sometimes changes in isolation wouldn't work, and they require ch so changes elsewhere. So like, why why does the flea make the game better? It's because otherwise you might be on some quest and just not ever be able to get the item, you know, yeah. like we were talking about. And sometimes it's a stupid item. Like last time I played, I needed, you know, there's something early on where you need like two packets of screws. And I did so many raids and I couldn't find the second packet of screws. Yep. It was and I was too low level for the flea, right? Yeah. Yep. So there's stuff like that. Like that's kind of <laughs> stupid. But again, if I knew somewhere and I was looting things that I thought would have a high probability of screws, maybe this was wrong, but I was like on the shore, the, the town west of shoreline, for example, where there's lots yep. of like hard spawns or whatever. Um, That's a good place to look for screws. Mm -hmm. No screws for like literally 10 hours of streaming. It was ridiculous. Um, but, but okay, so uh, the flea is one way to answer that. But the problem is this game is about two things, right? Basically, it's about gunfights and looting, right? Yeah. And flea market means you don't have to find things by looting, right? Which is why they then introduced found and raid. But that's kind of a hack to fix this problem that the flea market introduced, right? Um, and so I would I would try to fix it a different way, right? Because found and raid is kind of weird and artificial. Like, why does why does this guy care where I found this thing, right? Yeah. But like exactly. somehow everybody magically knows there's a magical aura around the thing that tells people where you found it, right? I yep. gotta send you a diagram I made where oh, it yeah. was, is the item found in raid, and it's literally a flow chart, and it's like. 18 different paths where it wasn't found in raid and it's but it's technically found in raid and then one path yeah. where it is found in raid and a million things that would make it not did you kill the guy and take it from the other player no, nope not found in raid, not found in raid. Yeah. Yeah. you know like that's why there's a check mark so that you know yeah. right 
Yeah. Um, but but like then crafting, which doesn't really take any effort, is founding rate. Yeah. Which doesn't and that like, was directly really, because know, crafting is useless for questing unless you can craft things for quests. And because we made the quest found in raid items because of the, it's like, and you could just, you can follow it. You can see how we got there, but that doesn't make it any more enjoyable to see how we got there. It makes it less because you are like, okay, maybe I'm not a game designer. Maybe I'm not smart enough to know how we fix this, but I'm yes. a player and my input should be valuable. And this doesn't feel right. This doesn't feel good that I can go and raid, kill a guy. He's got the thing I need. It's not found in raid. I can't turn it in, but I can craft the thing without having to touch a raid. And then what am I supposed to, what am I supposed yeah. to do? Like, I mean, that's, that's the feeling you can always trust as a player, right? So like as a designer, um, there's certain things that I just don't listen to players about. <laughs> like when they say, fix your game by doing X, right? Yeah. It's usually a, you know, not what I want to do, but usually also it wouldn't, it wouldn't work, right? Or, yeah. or when people say, why don't the devs just blah, blah, blah? And the answer to that question is usually because making games is harder than you can possibly imagine. Yeah. Why don't like, brain surgeons just cut the tumor out? I don't yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah. Have you exactly. thought about just cutting it out? Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, I mean, I'm, I've never been a brain surgeon, but it's, it's a lot like that. It's a lot, yeah. Um, imagine you had to be a brain surgeon and a lawyer at the same time. And oh. like do the court case about how you're allowed to do every specific incision. Um, but the one thing that players absolutely know, right, is I'm, I'm either having a great time, this is great, or like mm. uh, I'm really not having a good time and this isn't very good. And designers really should listen to that. Um, unless they're anti-player designers, which is a thing, but um, that's, you know, if I, like, so I'm, I'm a, you know, what some people would call a very opinionated, or maybe you could find worse words like snobby or something kind of designer, where I make a game, I have a very specific idea about what it should be. I don't really want other designers to tell me their opinion on it, right? I, you know, et cetera, but, you know, things don't always work the way you think they're going to, and, and the player response is a reality check about whether it worked. And then you don't have to do what players tell you, but mm. if the game's not working the way you thought, you should do something to address their specific concerns. That's a right? really interesting point where it's like you can listen to the gut of the player yes. separate from the feedback of the player. Oh, this doesn't feel good. You should just do this. It's like, okay, that's stupid. And I don't even have to tell you why that's a stupid thing. But why do you feel like this is a bad thing? Why don't you feel like you're having fun? And you can, if it's separating those two things, that's a really interesting point. But I that's also why I made my video. Yeah. That's why I made the yeah. video. Yeah. But this is also really hard when you're trying yeah. to make a game again. I can only so imagine. You can go back to that Henry Ford quote, right? If I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said a faster, a faster horse. Yeah. Right? And that's what designing a new game is like is people all are asking you for the faster horse and you're like no man i'm trying to do this other thing but doing that thing is really hard yeah um but that doesn't mean like yes it's really hard but also that's our freaking job yeah right? yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Job at our job and so it, it's just hard <laughs> it's a hard life but we chose it right? i'd be really interested to hear your thoughts i don't know if you've worked on a game in open development but like i'd be interested to hear your thoughts on like how gaming as a whole seems to be shifting in this direction where you have these games that like, 
like early access is just the sexy way of saying I want you players playing my game and I want some of the money so that I can continue to develop the game. We've seen game developers do that in unsavory ways, and we've seen tons of games that would have never gotten made unless they were able to raise money that way. But like when I think about when I have these conversations with Twitch chat over and over and over and over, and I can't help but put myself in that position where I'm like, how do you manage that? How do you know what to make first? How do you know what to fix and what to wait to fix? Because like we're in this position where it's like there are people today like as close to an objectively good change as I could possibly think for Tarkov, which is allowing me to move being the control of my character better. And we have people who are like, yeah, but they but fix the audio, like get rid of the cheaters, get rid of this. And it's like, yeah, that might have been a bigger issue. But I don't know how game development works. I don't know how big their team is. I don't know how long they've been working on that. And it's just like, ha have you ever worked on a game that was open? And, and how do you feel about that cluster so, of an emotional roller coaster? In this way that history repeats itself, my very first professional game, which started as me and another guy in a room in 1996, was an online multiplayer uh, team-based Science fiction shooter. It was like a vehicle shooter. It okay. Wasn't a, a dude. It would have been a better game if it was dude thrown around. <laughs> For exactly the reason we're talking about, because the vehicles had inertia and it was like hard to move. Interesting. Um, but uh, yeah, and so we were developing this game, and you know, we didn't have nearly as big of a player community as, as Tarkov. Firstly, because it was a tiny indie game, and secondly, because it was 1996, and <laughs> not that like people were trying to play games over like their 2400 baud modem, right? Oh like God, that yeah. was that was the situation. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, what there's a few things, right? And but the biggest the biggest ingredient is just the personality of the developer. Like again, what are you trying to do? Yeah. What is your goal for the game? And then if you're clear about that, people aren't always clear, but if you're clear about it. That can help you answer these questions about what priority to do things in, but in combination with how hard are the things to do. So if something's yeah. not, if something's not core to my vision, but it's not that hard to do and it'll help people out, I'll do it first, right? Yeah. Um, but you just mentioned cheaters, right? Which has a huge impact on the game. I think um, honestly, cheaters is really hard. I, I have some ideas for fun stuff that I would do to to deal with cheaters. Um, so like, you know, with wall hacks and stuff, right. Yeah. Um, I've always wanted to make a shooter where sometimes I intentionally render dudes on the other side of the wall that don't really exist. Um, and if you snap to them enough, we just like pan you. Right? Yes. Um, the problem is if you don't implement that correctly, legit players might see something and that would be bad. Right? And you spend all the time implementing the thing and then they just go and remove that particular thing. Like they remove whatever it is that makes it so that they get caught, and then now you have a dead anti-cheat feature sitting there. And you, well, okay, you know. so, so yeah. there's different classes of anti-cheat, right? Some anti-cheat is about looking for the anti-cheat software, right? But the thing that I'm talking about is le legit, like so. So one major class of wall hacks is like you hack into the shader, and you know when a 3D game draws stuff, it draws like many layers of stuff that you can't see because it's just like a it's a harder problem to cut away yeah. the things that you can't see and it wastes all your gpu time right and so instead of doing that we just draw a bunch of stuff on top of each other and legit players can't see behind the wall but we did draw those pixels before we drew the wall on top of it mm. right and so you can hack into your graphics driver and see what's back there but then 
if I can spoof that by drawing stuff that legit players can't see, but that cheaters can see, then it doesn't really matter what anti-cheat software is doing it. As long as you're using this class of wall hack, maybe I could spot you. Right? Yeah, yeah. But again, it's like, who knows yeah. how well that would work and stuff. But that's that's like a big thing, right? On the other hand, this patch that they just released was like, yeah, let's just... Like, like the entire announcement of all these balance tweaks was it's all numbers that you can just change. It doesn't take any new program. Yeah. Right? And, and so that's an example of like, I think that's really great that they did that because um, it's an example of we, we can do this thing. It's much easier than most of the things that we do and it's responding to player concerns. So yeah. let's just do it. And even if I'm sure, you know, like, the, okay, either they had these balance tweaks sort of, they were thinking about them for a while, like what the values should be, or they responded very quickly in like a couple of days to the discussion, right? And if it's that latter thing, yeah, right? If it's that latter thing, then they're not even very carefully balanced. And it's like, yeah. well, this is our guess. This is our guess on what'll do better for the players and we might have to come back later and tweak it, right? But um, I mean, I think it's great. I, I think it's great when developers have that kind of responsiveness. I think that's that's kind of what you buy into when you do a live game. Yeah. Right? Is yeah. You're working with the audience of your game in a way that you don't if it's a single player game where you throw it over the wall at people, right? Yeah. Which is what I've been doing lately since that first game. Yeah. <laughs> something that I something that I think like when I when I approach problem solving, um <laughs> from like my engineering background that I've kind of, I think deduced, and this is probably, if you go to school for like game design, it's probably like game design 102, like abstraction. This game is kind of just something. Bad. Don't, don't go to game design school. Go <laughs> there you go. Just become a streamer and then <laughs> yeah. you'll, you'll know. Um, but I, I, after years of, of like trying, like struggling to figure out like, what is it? What is it about this? That's good. And this, that's bad because the surface level things never satisfied me. Um, so I ended up coming up with this, the idea of abstracting real life things, mechanics, experiences, whatever, into game mechanics. So one of the examples that I think is pertinent to the recent changes that happened that I kind of had an epiphany on over the last couple of days, opening up some other games, um, was, was recoil recoil for me. It felt so bad. And I couldn't exactly pinpoint why it felt so bad. And everybody, they look and they see the recoil and they see what what is there to look at? There's it moves a lot. You don't like it moves a lot. You want move less. And and to me, that was never like, no, because I play other games that sometimes have the same magnitude, but it's different. So, for example, with Modern Warfare 2, but what I was playing, it had a bunch of recoil. But the fact that it went consistently up and to the right, up and to the right, I thought about shooting in real life. The thing you're missing when you play a game is you you feel it. It's the yeah. feedback. That's yeah. like 99% of your ability to control a weapon is that you feel it. And, and a small portion of it is visual. But in a video game, it's 100% visual so how do you account for that loss? And so with CSGO, it's give it a spray pattern. Um, with Modern Warfare 2, it it seems as if, at least in my testing, that it's if we make it 
even though there's some randomness, if we make it so that it's consistent in one direction, for example, that's the equivalent of like you go bang, 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 and you go, oh, it's going up to the right. Like almost like you can feel it. Let me yeah. pull down and adjust. Let me pull down. And yeah. like with Tarkov, it was up, left, up, right, left, up, down, up, left, right. And it's like I described it as it feels like you're riding a bull, not riding a bicycle. Yes. Yeah. So, so you know, I, I had thousands of hours on OG Counter-Strike and, and less <laughs> less on the modern ones, like maybe maybe 1,200 on CS Source and like not that many on Go. But yeah, like some of those weapons had a lot of recoil. Like the AK in Counter-Strike was like, it would go straight up, but you learn how to pull it down, right? Because it's got this deterministic spray pattern and you can get very, very good at firing your individual weapons in that game. But it has a lot of recoil, right? Yeah. Um, but you can play the recoil and and that makes it, that that actually makes it better to have more recoil and some, I mean, up to some limit because you're giving an opportunity for players to be good at the game. Yeah. Right. Here's a place for you to get better. Mastery. Right? Yeah. And, and that's a multidimensional game is when there's many different sub areas and you can get better. You can even decide which ones you want to focus on and like train that. Yeah. Right. Um, I always had wacky ideas. I'm not suggesting these are good ideas, but like, you know, in Counter-Strike, I think still the spray bat patterns are completely static. They don't change, right? Which is maybe a little bit boring. Like, how do you add more randomness while keeping it playable? And I always had this idea like, you know, maybe on bullet three or something, we play a, a slightly different sound effect or jostle your gun in a different direction. And that determines like on bullet six, which way it's going to like yank. So we give you time to listen and look mm. at something and like it's maybe even a little bit subliminal, but you sort of absorb how the weapon behaves and you can deal with it. But that's very different from probably what a lot of games do yeah. even, which is just we pick a random number for every bullet and that's where it goes. Yeah. Right? Because like people want very no, hard no. to play. Yeah, go ahead. People, people want the realism so they say here's how much a, a gun bounces yeah that's that's the only thing that determines the realism but for me what i think is the realism is i'm shooting and i can feel it and i can control it and there's some amount of some amount of out of control but also yeah. some amount of like if i feel it's going up and you know so the realism is actually your ability to intuitively control a thing even if it's hard yeah that's more realistic than the number of pixels something bounces it's yeah. the ex it's it's the experience and that's kind of the whole premise of my video was that you have a vision for an experience so if you design a game and you want a particular experience you might be like you know stubborn about how you want it there's there's a world in which people don't like the way it is for whatever reason but you've still succeeded in giving that experience. They just didn't like that experience. There's a world in which what you've given them doesn't match the experience that you wanted. And that's where I think you were saying you have to listen. Like, so that was my plea to Nikita in this case was, do you want us to feel like we're badass soldiers? Or do you want us to feel like kind of helpless, you know, struggling? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, you know, it's a really interesting, difficult design problem, again, about how to do this, right? So the recoil is one, and the recoil is like an obvious one because yep. a lot of games have recoil, and they've treated it differently, right? 
And you, you as a player can see a bunch of that. But if you think about like trying to be like real life and how do you make a game feel like in, in real life, the way we get better at a lot of this stuff is like our body learns it and we know how it yeah. feels and we react and you just don't mostly have that. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe with like modern, I, I wouldn't want to play a game like Tarkov with a gamepad, but you know, like, like the new PlayStation controller has like better haptics and you could start to do like subtle things in there that maybe translate, but that would be super experimental. Force like, feedback on the mouse, put wheels yeah. on the bottom of my mice, please. <laughs> electric shock you through the mouth yeah. sometimes right but um so so but there's opportunities for that everywhere even in things that you think are boring so like right now yeah. when you ads the weapon in tarkov it's like based on what's loaded onto the gun and what gun is it and what stat is it but like how do you put player skill into that right so like in real life um i have an ar-15 it has a vortex viper uh lpvo on it that's supposedly one of the best optics you can get for eye relief, for example, right? And even at 1x, I shoulder it. I haven't used this optic that much. I shoulder it, and it's, like, hard to find the eye relief, right? Yeah. And then I use it a bit, and I'm, I'm just, like, a little better at it. But I still, to this day, I would much rather shoot through a red dot than this 1x Vortex Viper, right? But I, I also, I've gotten better enough at it that I'm like, okay, the more that I use this, the more I'm going to be able to snap to the thing. And you almost could wonder how do you do how could you add more player control into like adsing your weapon so that you could get better at it as a player right when all but you have is the mouse yeah yeah well or i don't know like um like there's this dichotomy that goes way back almost to the start of video games right where you have all these action arcade games that are player skill and then you have, you know, like World of Warcraft kind of games that are all like character skill, right? Mm. And how much is in one category versus another, right? How much improvement is the player getting better at the game? Yeah. And how much improvement is number go up on your character? And <laughs> yeah. I think a little bit of both of those is fine, but I think I think video games can become deeper, more interesting, more worthwhile pursuits as something that people spend all their freaking time on when both there's more avenues for the player skill instead of number go up. And um, those are interesting. Like the activity has to be kind of interesting, right? Yeah. It can't just be, and that's the weird thing. Like what, so, you know, playing a shooter and aiming with a mouse, it's not that much like what your body does when you actually aim something in yeah. real life, but somehow it's interesting enough of an activity because it's this analog puck that you're moving around and it's got some weight to it and you can move it fast. You can move it slow. You can like, you know, get your body into it. And it's got enough detail to it that it's interesting to do for a really long time. But a lot of controls and games don't have that much interest in them. And how do you like find that? Right. That's an interesting that question. Interesting. Maybe we're getting way off anything we were talking about, but it's just to say it's a hard problem. Yeah. Hard problem. Yeah. I don't know if, if, uh, if back on uh, the anti-cheat thing, because that's something that like, it's almost an impossible conversation to have because you're either in the anti-cheat business and you're not going to talk about what the hell you do, or you're a cheater who thinks, you know, or, you know, whatever, like there's, there's no way to communicate or to talk about it. So unless 
like I, my dad's an engineer, a software engineer has been his whole life. So like, I like to sit and talk with him about what would you do? You know, it's, you have to be an engineer that's not in the business to like, think about interesting ways uh, to, to tackle these problems. And I know like Valorant is a good example of the fact that they built <laughs> the anti-cheat at the same time as their entire foundation of the game. So for example, I don't know if you saw any of the the dev stuff that they did back in the day, but they won't even send the other character information to your client if they're behind a wall, unless they get close-ish to the wall. You know, like these are things that, that people are like, well, why don't they just do what they do? Or why don't they... It's like because they didn't architect the anti-cheat yeah. from the ground up with the net code at the same time. Yeah. Um, or you know, you guys know that rubber banding is happening on streets all the time, right? Probably what that is is the server is getting bogged down doing some computations, whatever they are. I don't know, right? Um, and not running encryption, in real time. decryption. Well, it's probably more like physics of something in the world or something. I don't know, or like some gameplay code that's going haywire and like looping a lot. It's hard to say, but like something like you're talking about, that kind of anti-cheat can be pretty effective. It doesn't eliminate cheating, but it makes cheaters inherently much less powerful in terms of detecting players on the map. Mm. And um, the thing is, it does require more computation on the server. So yeah. you have to be you have to be in a technically better situation. Um, and actually, you know, across, so game developers are often very talented and very skilled, uh, especially in graphics, but like, man, we're just getting worse over time at networking. <laughs> like, <laughs> my, my first game that I worked on, like I said, it was a, it was a network game. The server only ran at 10 ticks per second, but like that was fine for 1996. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and we did 32 players on, you know, a, a we, our servers were basically the same kind of computer you would have at home. So like a 486, 60 megahertz PC, which is like thousands to millions of times slower than your computer today. We did 32 players and like it was fine, right? And somehow today um, we do 32 players on whatever the newest computer is in 2023. And that's all you can fit on the server and it's still slow sometimes, right? Like we should be able to fit tens to hundreds of thousands of players on a server, even though we're doing more. And it's just I, that that category of programming has not stayed sharp. Really no, it's, it's building efficient, building efficient and optimized code has the us getting better at that has got like it's hit the ceiling of the amount of data that we now have to send. Like we can send the data back and forth in very much the same ways, but it's just now we're going to send like your entire stash value and your your username yeah. and your email along with every player update. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, that was another thing that happened when I was playing early on. It was like every time you tried to move something in your stash, you would get like some HTML looking error message. Yep. There was like a full day of that. Like, yeah, yeah, it was it was bad. But um, you know, like graphics because it's what people see immediately and people judge the game on it's just that just means we have to be sharp there as as game developers yeah. otherwise we obviously don't look as good whereas like you know networking like it matters but it just somehow you could sweep it under the rug a little bit and then when you're making a game in an engine you know like like tarkov is a pre-existing engine made by 
another team who doesn't know that much about your game and may not even care that much about it yeah. and is now IPO'd and trying to sell their engine to like architects and film people instead of games, right? <laughs> then you're trying to use the system that's not really made that much to do what you're trying to do. And then when you try to do networking on it, you're probably using some very generic networking systems that are inherently very inefficient, but that's all like the engine gives you, right? So yeah. back in the day when we were making stuff go over 2,400 baud modems, like every single bit we were putting into the message that we were sending to people. And it was all very manual and very, yeah, uh, very specific. And I very much doubt that that's the way any of this works for Tarkov. No. Yeah. No, yeah. But they don't that much have a choice. It would be a huge project to change. Yeah. That. And um, but I also, you know, maybe that should be a priority. I don't know, man. And that's what like that's what I think of when I go back to kind of the question I asked about like how a game being an open development, being in, in beta, having so many people play it, that game maybe blowing up to be bigger and more culture culturally relevant than you ever thought it would be, more players on it, then that brings new and, uh, you know, a new attention from the cheating community that maybe hadn't been there before. Maybe now you want to go back and be able to network different because like because the, and the networking has always been a struggle. And it feels like, you know, I would say I would say that the vast majority of all players in Escape from Tarkov would say that the networking hasn't gotten any better over time. Maybe it has gotten better, but as it gets better, there are more demands of it because it feels like every time there's a new map, we get to the same spot where it's like, OK, well, now we have this new map. Now this map's not optimized and they optimize a little bit. Now we get the new map that's not optimized. And it's like, and obviously as a player, we have, we are so far removed. I am so far removed from what is happening. What is causing rubber banding or studying, stuttering or desync or anything like that. But no matter how good or bad the networking has gotten over the years, the player feedback has remained exactly the same, which is I die behind a wall. And I've been dying behind a wall in 2019. I'm dying behind a wall in 2023. So has the networking got better? I don't know. But my player experience sucks. And so it's yeah. like so hard. I try to factor in all these things that like, man, maybe they are dealing with networking tools that they thought would have been proficient enough. And now due to all these circumstances aren't, but going back and replacing those things when they're trying to finish this game and get it to 1.0, it's like a brain explosion but it's but it's frustrating because once again you might not be able to trust the the feedback of the players you know just fix the game but the feeling from the player is overwhelmingly frustrating because I'm dying behind a wall I'm dying to desync I'm rubber banding and it's like that's such a hard gap to bridge I guess one thing I have to say game developers are guilty of across the board is not paying enough attention to the quality of networking and things like it right um, like earlier in games. Uh, you know, game developers would all care about graphics and then, well, sound, sound, well, we could get to sound in a minute in this game, but like, <laughs> you know, classically sound effects would kind of suck and graphics would be amazing, but sound, just thinking about single player games is such a big part of what puts you in a mood. Mm. And, and so eventually developers learned that sound was pr pretty important. And also fortunately, it's cheap compared to graphics. So most games, most single player games have really good sound now. Um, high-budget single-player games. Yeah. Uh, so so now we're at the place where, like, networking for multiplayer games is still, for some reason, like sound was to games in the 90s, where it's kind of just like playing bleeps and whatever. Mm. And you're like, no, this is... The whole, the whole way that I play this game kind of doesn't feel good, and I wish more people would pay attention to it, because it... it it's... 
kind of ignorable by developers <laughs> because it's invisible and people are still playing the game. What? Yeah. What, what are you about? People are playing the game, but um, it's actually, it is so important, right? So one of the things I said in those tweets is like, I, I kind of these days would rather watch people play Tarkov than play it myself. Yeah. Right? And the networking is one of the reasons. The movement was frustrating, right? And honestly, the fact that the game is about just being kicked in the nuts constantly is part of it. But but if it were fairer getting kicked in the nuts, I would yeah. still play sometimes, right? And, and the networking is part of what makes it feel unfair. Yes. And so... Um, yeah, but but again, it's hard, and so I understand why they might be in a position where it's hard to fix. And so, uh, but but I also think it's important. In fact, I think it's the second most important thing. Like the most important thing, I think, if it was my game, I would take all the programmers and say, "You guys aren't doing anything else except changing the way raids work, so that you drop in, drop out, just like Cycle Frontier, because that game does it perfect." Oh my God. We're doing that, right? And now that's not just something you can do on your own because you have a few other problems all of a sudden, right? Yeah. So like, well, what do you do about things that get looted and how do you restore it? So you have to have some yeah. gameplay thing. But then that could be really cool. Like, oh, areas are getting irradiated or like bombarded by gas and you have to leave them for a while. And then the loot respawns. And then, so everybody knows though, after that's done that, there's yeah. maybe good loot there, and now you have this tactical firefight, but it's not around a point because it's an area. So you have like a, a perimeter that's highly contested. Like you can design for that, right? Yeah. But again, it's not a it's not a simple thing. And so it's not like, why don't the devs just do this? It's yeah. like, okay, it's hard, right? And then also you have to, you know, in the way that the frame rate goes down after a while because you got memory leaks on the yeah. client, servers have that same problem. And so one reason why you maybe have a limited raid time is because we're restarting the server as soon as that raid is over to clear all the memory. Um, and you need to fix that in order to have a longer running yeah. server. But it doesn't have to run forever. It could run like yeah. you know four hours and reset and it's drop in, drop out, right? Yep. But like after after playing games like the cycle, so go, going back to the, the point about respecting the player's time, like I actually tried, I was hyped for streets and like I actually did a stream. Uh, it was a two hour long stream where I, watched I it. downloaded the update and I was like, I was just trying to get in a raid. I tried to get in as a PMC. I tried to get in as a scav. I tried customs. I tried streets. I tried like shoreline. I could not even yeah. get into a raid. And that's a little bit different. Like, okay, that's launch day, whatever. Yeah. But like, and I haven't played since then, by the yeah. way. It's yeah. Like, you know, um, but, uh, you know, all the time, even right now, after a lot of the excitement from the wipe is is gone, um, it's still, I see people taking many minutes to get into a raid still when I jump yeah. in and watch the stream. And it's like, why? Right? And I know why. Um, it's because of the way things are set up. And those things are, are not easy to change. But I would totally prioritize that, especially yeah. like... Haven't they said that their long-term goal is to make it like an open world where everything's connected, right? And so that would be like you would almost have that at that point because yeah. you would still have separate maps, but all the maps you can drop into at any time. So when you go like you know from lighthouse to streets or whatever, you're just popping out of one and popping into the other, and yeah. you don't have to wait ten minutes for the next server to start, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, I'm sure that's on their priority list. Like I don't, I don't want to, yeah. you know. But but it's just hard. Um, but but again, also it's what you prioritize as well. And yeah. 
because that so much of my experience is sitting there saying, why am I not playing the game right now? That I would prioritize that. But but of course, it's, I mean, the reason we have different developers is because uh, different developers have different opinions. And, you know, if I sat down to make a game where you loot and shoot stuff, like from first principles, and I had never seen Tarkov, I probably would end up with a game that's super different. And yeah, people may not like as much, or they may yeah. like more, right? Who knows? But I would end up in a very different place. And so it's just as a developer, you have to find, it's like you were asking, how do you decide what the priorities are? And it's just like, it's a gut thing half the yeah. time. But also there's just realities of like yeah. how many, how many people play the game? How many minutes, like multiply the number of minutes people have played the game by the number or the number of minutes people wait in queue to get into a raid yeah. by the number of raids people have played. And it's like an astronomical number of hours. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And at some point you have to say, well, is that a good idea? Have you only seen one of my videos? Because I swear, <laughs> I have countless videos where I'm like, here's how you can do like a quick sell feature for the flea market or uh, an improved loadout preset system. And I yeah. literally went through and it was assuming I have like 90% of the stuff I, I have like in cases, guns and ammo and magazines, 250 clicks. Yeah. And three and a half minutes, and that's like muscle memory. Double click, double like dragging over, and then my my I literally mocked up everything the preset system, and and it was like buy everything, get everything you need, exactly what you want in like seven clicks, and you're in. Like heal, ensure yeah. all the things, and it's like just imagine when you ha if you have a hundred thousand players, not to mention that every one of those clicks is like opening up a new screen, which is a new network call because it refreshes every time. Which is like there's just so much from every angle. Oh yeah, no, it, dude, I've I've lived through some of that, and they have you know they've made some interface changes since I started, right? Like yeah. you used to to go from your stash to the traders, you used to have to go out to the main menu. Yeah, right? and you don't have to do that anymore and stuff. But but that is a, a simple change. But again, like the thing the thing to understand again is, you know, I mean. The, the picture that's coming to mind is like, you know, imagine it's a space game and you're trying to pilot some giant capital ship and like shit's blowing up all the time and you're trying to fix it and like the yeah. gun's disabled and you've got to go get that working so it can yeah. fire back. And like, that's what running a game studio is like. And uh, if the whole thing, the whole thing hasn't exploded yet for them, which is yeah. great. I mean, many game studios, probably the majority go out of business in less time than they've been running Tarkov. So that's very successful by the standards of yeah, the game. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, on the one hand, I, I, I don't want to repeat myself too much, but like it's sometimes you can't do these things because everything else is exploding all the time. Yeah. Yep. But on the other hand, that's our job, man. And like if too much stuff is exploding, then you got to take a step back and be like, okay, how do we retrofit the hull so that less stuff is exploding all the time? Which is compromises. Yeah. Well, maybe. I, but but sometimes, sometimes maybe sometimes maybe you can come up with something good. Yeah. But it's just it's just hard. But also we decided to do this, and so it's our fault. Like nothing that I'm saying is yeah. to excuse any developer from problems with their game. Yeah. It's a very like Teddy Roosevelt, the buck stops here thing, right? If I decided to make this game, then even if we don't have enough budget, even if we don't have enough people, even if we're trying to deal with it shitty technical infrastructure and whatever like 
this whole thing was my idea, so it's my responsibility what goes well and what goes poorly, ultimately. And so th that's just my job, and it's my job to fix the problems. And so yeah, that's all true. But also, I got to fix the problems. You know? Yeah, for sure. And that's, yeah, exactly. Like, I try to <laughs> empathize with how big of a problem that is, where the entity becomes so big that, like, moving it forward even just inch by inch is just like there's a problem over here like you said with that analogy there's this ship's down this shield is down there's a fire over here there's a fire over here and it's like i try to empathize with that and be like man like that's how do you and sometimes i feel that way with tarkov how do we how do we move this forward the movement sucks and the audio sucks and the network sucks and there's cheaters and there's this and that and they're trying to finish maps and and mechanics so that we can actually like push this thing towards the finish line of 1.0 and it's it's hard and so it's like I try to empathize with how frustrating and how big of a thing that is. But then at the same time, sometimes like you were saying, it's like, man, I, my job is just to play the game and have fun and provide feedback. And so that's what I'm trying to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it helps a lot when the feedback is positive, intelligent engagement, which is what that video was. You know, I, I was listening in before the session. So I heard you talk about how you, it was one of your least favorite videos to make. Right. But it was, it had it was coming from the right place. It wasn't trying to tear the game down, but it was saying like, "Look, man, I as a player invest." So I mean, I'm paraphrasing. You didn't literally say this, but like, I as a player invest so much time and energy <laughs> in this game, and that is the kind of game this is obviously trying to be. It's yeah. not a casual game. So I'm like your target player, and I'm having a really bad time because of all all of these. And here's why. And let me do my best to explain to you. <laughs> and that's really. Um, that's really the best. And okay, so here's a thing. That video, I don't feel was was doing a negative. So so a lot of the time people will pose like that's their attitude, but really they're also they're just kind of grandstanding and trying to show how smart they are in this internet way. And they really are trying to diss the thing, even when mm. they're trying to pretend like they're not. Yeah. And that video wasn't doing that either, right? It was legit just like Here's, let me just try to explain, lay it out. And I think that was very helpful. And of course, then it's up to a developer how much they listen. And yeah. in this case, it seems like they really did. And that's great. And, but for anyone else out there, right, you know, saying stuff like the developer sucks or, you know, um, Call of Duty has a higher frame rate or whatever, like those things are not helpful at all. Cause we know that. We know, usually we know when we have certain problems. Um, or like obvious problems, I guess. Yeah. Um, but like sometimes, like okay, it's it's possible for a developer to know that a problem exists without appreciating the full extent of the problem, and then especially how it feels when you're on the other end. Yeah. And like networking is exactly one of those, right? Because as a developer, it's possible to have a very antiseptic, like yeah, you know, I mean, we don't have as much budget for as many servers as we would like to run. And so we have to run, you know, 12 instances of the game on each hardware or whatever. And then, um, you know, just sometimes statistically <laughs> servers get busy at the same time and that's bad. But hopefully later when we have more money or when we manage to optimize things, that'll be a better experience. And you're, you're just laying all this out like tactically, right? But as a developer, you're usually not feeling that emotionally in the same way as players are. And yeah. to be honest, you kind of can't, because if we did, we wouldn't last very long. We would just become depressed, 
you know, people and die. Because there's so many problems with all of our games and nothing is ever as good as you wish it was yeah. and all of that. And so we, we actually, it, it's sort of like, you know, if, you, if you've heard these recordings of like Chuck Yeager flying these experimental aircraft that are about to explode at any second, he's just like got the coolest, like, Roger, control, let me bring this down before the temperature goes up anymore or whatever the hell he says, right? Um, you kind of have to have that to be a successful game developer. But the problem with that is, that does insulate you from the players because yeah. the players are playing the game to have an experience. They're not yeah. playing the game to be like separated out from it. And so it's a developer talent on the one hand to connect back to what are players experiencing without feeling it all the time, yeah. especially when it's problems. But then also it's very useful, I do think, for players to communicate that, especially when things aren't, aren't working, right? Because the other thing about developers, I mean, as many hours as you guys play the game, like the developers have been living with this game for even more hours, right? And they're just even more used to everything about it and and jaded about it in some sense, right? And yeah. maybe not jaded in a bad way, but just like in the way- The that last you, thing you wanna do is play the game that you look at eight hours a day when you're coding and like very oh, often only at least. eight hours. I mean, for, for Nikita and whoever else is in charge of that game, it's very easy for it to be like, my life as I think about this game. Yeah. Yep. Right? And I, I do I do fun things occasionally one or two days a week for an hour. I don't know if that's what he does, yeah. but like somebody who leads a game project, it is very common. Like that's what my life is like right now, right? Um, I, I, I do about three hours of fun stuff a week, maybe a little bit more. And then, <laughs> and then I'm just being a, a game developer. But but that's my choice, right? So I'm not, I'm not singing a sad song there. But it's just to say that when it's so many hours for so many years, um, that just leads to certain consequences. Like things aren't fresh for us, right? Yeah. And they're not exactly fresh for you either, but but you're trying to play the game, whereas the developer isn't really trying to play the game in the same way, right? Yeah. And, and it's just a different experience. And reconnecting that is very valuable. And that's yeah. what I thought about that video. It was like, and it was also because you were connecting it to a point in past in the past of the game that actually existed, I think was also extra valuable because it was like, what I'm saying isn't impossible. It was yeah. like there, yeah. And and we're not saying rewind the clock to that exact thing, but that nature, that feeling. Let's get back to that feeling while having all the sophistication that's been added on since then. I think that's a valuable message for a developer to hear. Like, yeah, I, and, and, I, I felt that way too. I could also feel like. Because, you know, it's so hard to do this stuff. I could also feel like they're just like, oh, my God, leave me alone. Let's just let's put out yeah. they leave us alone, right? I literally, the last message I sent to Nikita was, I'm sorry. I know I can be a pain in the ass, but I appreciate you. And he was like, no, like, it's okay. Like, no problem. Like, <laughs> um, because I know oh, what it's like to write software, spend all this time doing something, have 27 bug reports come in, 24 of them are user error. And like, yeah. so even strategically speaking, like you were talking about, don't just say fix your game. It sucks as a community. Every time you do that, you've literally watered, like you've made Nikita care about everyone's opinion less. Cause it's like, you just, I don't want to hear if I hear game sucks, game sucks, game sucks, game sucks. Hey, here's some feedback about your game that gets lost in the shuffle that yeah. might be super genuine and useful information. 
Yeah, it's like in the same way that you have to like kind of ignore YouTube comments or Twitter comments if you have a lot of followers because it is all this like easy negative stuff, yeah. right? You can't, if that's the constant stream of player feedback, you simply can't listen to it and do a good job yeah. anymore because it would make Take you notes lose here. Your <laughs> Yeah. No, it's like, it's like, imagine if like Twitch chat was all you ever heard as you walk down the street every day. Right. And it's just like, you know, I'm sure Twitch chat right now, I'm not watching it, but I'm sure it's amazing. Right. I've got it in stub only mode. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, or like YouTube comments. Yeah. If, if YouTube comments, if the quality of, of non-subscriber YouTube comments, and I think they're even better than they were a few years ago, but like, if it was all, if that was all you heard every day in your waking life, you would go insane yes. or you would become a hermit and isolate yourself from everybody. And that's the problem is, so as a game developer, you want to care about what the players think, but it's hard to have a high quality connection again, because the internet is all about low quality, quick, negative comments usually. And you just can't listen to too much of that, or it'll make you, you will think, right. <laughs> that's actually a small percentage of the players yeah. who are being very vocal and negative, but you come to picture that as the players and then you don't like <laughs> the players anymore. And as soon as you don't like your players, you're done as a developer as far as I'm concerned. Damn. Yeah. You, you're, you're just, you're just honestly like, we, we don't have to get into this, but Damn. you're describing yeah. like my experience. Cause I yeah. started streaming and when you start and you only have three or four people, you can have these great, interesting discussions. And as I've gotten yeah. more successful, the quality has just been watered down and watered <laughs> down. And you can actually say this about the Tarkov community as a whole, it's gotten more successful. So it's just gotten watered down yeah. and watered down to the point where it's like, I'm I'm getting a little bit closer every day, you know, therapy and all that, and figuring out like if I'm streaming for 14 hours a day, six days a week, to a thousand people where, you know, it's like a disproportionate amount of just noise. Yeah, you can't separate the signal from the noise, and then yeah, I mean that's. And I think Sorry, that's a really important like hit me, distinction hit me too, where like you not only can you not separate the signal from the noise, you start thinking that. Uh, the signal is the noise you start think you start resenting your own players and and yeah you said that analogy through the game design of like you start resenting your own players and that that you're basically dead in the water i immediately thought the same way where like i can start to resent my own viewers on my youtube comments i can start to resent my own people in twitch chat chatting and it's like what that's that's an easy way to kill whatever it is the career is game development youtuber twitch streamer yes. when you start to not not just not be able to hear the noise but actually think or not be able to hear the signal, but actually think the signal is the noise at one point. And then that's just like not good. Yeah. And that's the thing that we have to figure out about the internet, right? Because yeah. the, the truth is that's not your audience, right? Yeah. Really. But it's a distorted view of your audience yeah. that that if that's all you feel when you're in, when you interact with them, it almost might as well be who your audience truly is. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Or like what you get to experience. And so but a lot of that is just the way it's the kind of thing that the internet encourages, <laughs> the way that it distorts yeah. communication. And we just have to figure that out. Because it's like an so amplification. How, how you... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I was just gonna say it's kind of an amplification of human nature, right? Like we've like it's how it's always been. Like, right, like how many times have I been in line at Starbucks and and said the words like, you did a really good job. Thank you. But it's so much easier to be like Yo, you're being really rude. Can I speak to a manager or something like that? Or even or even not say anything, but to text my friend. How many times have I texted my friend, 
yo, the dude at Starbucks was super nice. Never. But I'll be like, yo, this person was being super rude. And so, like, that's always how it's been. 50 years ago, 100 years ago. So it's like what we what we did with the Internet is we turned that to 11. We just completely oh. amplified that to the to to an extent where it's like instead of having one of those interactions a day as a YouTuber, if I post a new video and get a thousand comments because 100,000 people saw my video, well, 900 of those comments are the guy who just said, well, I didn't like this thing about your video. And so it's like, it's, it isn't the internet. It's us. It's always been us. It's always been how we value negativity over positivity, but it's like, but we amplify the internet amplified that so much. And how do you exist in it? How do you make a living off the internet? That's what I want to know. Well, I was just going to say most of what people type into a comment, they would not say to your face. Ever, right? yeah. Like, that's just true. And so how do we deal with that? How do, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, so like what what I want to know, and this is something that, that I struggle with, and I'd be curious to know like <laughs> as, a, as a game developer how, how you deal with the idea that there's genuine good feedback, there's complete trash feedback, and then there's just inform, misinformed, uninformed kind of well-intentioned but crap feedback um and separating out the two in a way that so so here's how like my brain works if someone comes in and they say it, it it's really hard to tell if it's good or if it's that like mediocre or even if it's negative because let's say you're doing the wrong thing let's say when you were making the witness your puzzles sucked do you accept the feedback of the people that are saying it sucks because they're like frustrated or whatever? Or is it, do you know the confidence that like you made a great game? So you have the confidence to say like, no, I I know your feedback. I, I'm not going to listen to it. It's not worth listening to. Like, how do you juggle that to where you're not well, totally egotistical and totally close to actually like growing, you know, this is where personality types come in. Right. So, Back when I was a, a teenager or whatever, or you know, in college and after college, um, I maybe today would have been one of the people we're just talking about, where I'm typing negative stuff in, in the chat and all these things. I mean, we didn't have Twitch back then, yeah. but I did, uh, I did send, I was on a, a mailing list for like <laughs> Doom editing, right? Back when, back when Doom and Doom 2 were new. And like, I was, I was going to make a little editor. I never finished it, but there was a little mailing list that John Romero started. And I was, I was on there because part of the source code was available and I was looking at it and I was like, oh, this is so lazy. They should have like used the hash table here or whatever. Like I was totally <laughs> trash talking, like the best game programmers in the world who had just made the most successful game in the world. Right. And I actually was not even good enough of a programmer at that point to understand why what they did was better than what I was saying, right? But that was like my personality type. And the thing is, <clears throat> we just talked about the negative aspect of that personality type, how it sucks to deal with it all the time. Um, and it's ignorant when you're young, right? But if you're smart and you're evidence-based and you don't just be contrarian for the hell of it or whatever, but like you learn over time <laughs> when it really does make sense to be contrarian and when like being reflexively like reflexively disagreeing is wrong a lot of the time right yeah and so um you learn that and then but that's actually a very valuable skill if you go into something like game development because the thing is okay i have a picture for what games i want to make and 
like I said, it starts out in the imagination and you don't have a game yet. And then you start building the game and like it doesn't match and you're sad. That's a hundred percent of the time. Um, and then you have to make it better. And, but first you have to realize that the thing that you're making is not as good as the thing you wanted to make, which some people never even get there. There, some people are so in love with the fact that they're making a thing and it's their mm. baby that they never can see the extent to which it's not that good. Right. Yep. And so that critical voice, instead of applying it to other people's stuff, if you apply it to your own stuff, it's very, very valuable. And then, you know, if I get some feedback from people, I'm not a big feedback guy, to be fair, which is like why I shouldn't say stuff about other people's games. But, uh, you know, I, what, what you were just saying a minute ago about like, yeah, but that's not what I'm trying to do. Or I, I have confidence that these things are good. The reason I had confidence that things are good is not just because like, it's, it's not like I went on some, you know, dating advice YouTube and they said, girls like it when you're confident. So I decided to be confident and yeah. then I'm magically confident. That doesn't actually work, right? Like, you had the experience. It's because you know. It's because you know. And so yeah. the reason I know the puzzles are good is because I worked on like three times as many puzzles as actually got shipped in the game. And I saw what was not good about all these other ones. And I worked on the thing for like six years, literally, <laughs> trying to make the puzzles as good as I could, right? And, and you know, so when I say this puzzle is good, I could tell you why relative to some other puzzle it's better and why this thing didn't work. And why, why I started with this idea and ended up with this idea. I like took that journey and it was a hard journey. But the reason I stayed on it rather than shipping, like, I don't know if I've said this publicly, but the way I think about The Witness, right, is that it's sort of for most game franchises that would be like game number three in the series or whatever. And the thing is, we just built game number one and two and we never shipped it because I wanted an amazing experience for people. And... You know, I sort of did game one. It wasn't that good. I revised it. I did game two. It wasn't that. Okay. Now we've got something and, and we ship it. And um, that's where the confidence comes from that mm. I believe my decisions are right. Now, objectively speaking, who knows, right? I could still be a little bit wrong or something, but like I earned it within myself, right? I turned, so this highly critical voice that I had that still does, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit of an outspoken person sometimes when I don't like them still. Um, but usually I focus that on my own stuff, right? Both technically and design wise. And it's just how, that's the motor that moves your boat that gets you somewhere good. And if you don't have that, maybe you're not going to be that good. Like, I don't, like, if you didn't have any internal criticism and you just said, I'm going to be a streamer or I'm going to make a game or whatever, and I'm just going to modify what I do based on what people say and I'm never going to um, have my own opinion about it. I don't know. Mr. B says that's what he does. But I, I think that's I think that's that. the more common thing. I honestly I feel like yeah. that's what I was about to say. But like that's that's kind of like designed by committee. And so games that do that get stuck in a rut, right? So like Call of Duty is kind of doing that. And yeah. Call of Duty is fine if you like Call of Duty and if you want another Call of Duty, but it's not about to be fresh and new and interesting in a different way, right? It's just been the similar thing for so many games. And that's where you end up when you do that, is you land on something and Maybe there's a lot of money to be made there for a while, but I don't think it's creatively fulfilling. And it's 
it's not going to like revolutionize games or be the next. And I feel thing. like you have to have your own opinion. And I feel like that is Call of Duty's biggest struggle right now is because like they they can't do well. If I asked my customers what they wanted, they would have sent a faster horse. But I built this because it, it is so designed by committee that like I I I haven't played Call of Duty in a really long time, and I got into Modern Warfare Two a little bit because I really liked the movement and the recoil. Like I was like, whoa, this is really cool. But like you can you can like just go through the history of people's Twitter threads and like literally like to paraphrase, I hate slide canceling. I hate this. I hate that. Change it, change it, change it. And they change it. And it's this game sucks. There's no movement. Bring back slide canceling. It was the only thing that added skill. And that is truly a display of the customer wanting a faster horse and expecting a car. It's I want something fresh, but you've you've designed this game around what I want for so long. We're in a cycle of I want change, but all change is bad. And and they feel so stuck in that loop right now. And they tried to go a little crazy. And I feel like they're trying to crack at the shell with DMZ and be like, well, maybe if we just make a new game, then the expectations will be changed. So let's do that. But uh, man, you feel that it's they gave they gave people exactly what they wanted and are being crucified for it. Well, there, there's this problem that you guys were mentioning before I came on, which is, again, or maybe after, I don't know. I've lost all track of time at this point. <laughs> but um, the, the people who have something, the people who have a complaint are much more likely to be vocal. Right? Yeah. The people who are cool with it are are, are cool with it. Yeah, and they're they, enjoying it. It. It, takes, it takes energy to do this, even if it's a throwaway stupid comment. And yeah. You won't get that most of the time from people who are cool with it. And so it's actually very difficult to like <laughs> listen to what people are saying. And even before deciding what you're going to do, there's this step of like, okay, what do players actually think based yeah. on what is being said? And that's almost impossible, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like Call of Duty, I almost feel like a game like that, the job of that game at this point is to be that game. And if you want yeah. to do something new, you got to be a new game. I agree. So it's a new game, right? And it... It ha- even though Tarkov is like still in beta or whatever, I think it still says beta. Yeah. Um, like how many Tarkov genre things came out in the past couple of years? It's oh, yeah. like a lot because people see the promise and the potential of the idea, right? And like honestly, anytime you make a genre of game, um, that's an amazing contribution to the history of games. Very few people get to design a thing that becomes a genre of game. Yeah. And so the fact that that has happened here is great, right? Um, success, right? Yeah. That said, you know, I would like it if I could move better, but yeah. You know, <laughs> um, no, yeah. it's, it's, it's good success and you got to keep that in mind. So it's sure. like when you complain about Tarkov, you also got to keep in mind that it could have been like, think of any thousand indie games yeah. that like announced their big plans and you play them and you're like, oh, this is going to be way interesting later after they do all this stuff. And then they never do all this stuff. Yeah. Right? That's almost every game. Yep. Yeah. I, um, you're talking about, you know, when getting the confidence and the experience to know just like, no, nah, these puzzles are good because I know these 97 things, you know, whatever. Um, one of the best examples was last year sometime after they had introduced Steam Audio. And I don't know if you had played Tarkov before they they implemented or added Steam Audio and then during Steam Audio and then now. I haven't um, played it now, but the first two, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> for like nine billion reasons, I knew that just turning that binaural audio switch on for most people, unless you know some of the weird HRTF head shape things, there yeah. are you know a small number of people where it just like doesn't work. Um, I had to convince the entire community. They were all saying, all the streamers were saying, turn it off, don't use it, it's bad, it's shit. And it got to the point where I had to say, all right, I'm going to play you 100 sounds with no, with no visuals. Which one's in front, which one's behind? And got tens of thousands of people to like fill out a survey. And it was like 98% get it correct with binaural on. And it's 50-50 with front and back and above. They can't tell. And then everybody switched over to being like, Steam Audio is so great. Then they remove it after I spend six months saying, guys, they added this thing. Use it. Yeah. Everybody complained. They remove it. And now they have Oculus Audio. And everybody's saying, man, Steam Audio was so great. We want it back. <laughs> well, of course you wanted it back, yeah. you know. And now it's, you know, it's terrible. The problem, again, is there's several layers of thing. And the yeah. thing that's broken. So, you know, the, the whole um, uh, spatialized audio is often what it's called. Of Just like if there's... If you close your eyes and you run some program that moves a sound source around your head, can you tell where it is, right? Yeah. That's like one very specific thing. But then there's a whole other layer of thing, which is like, I'm in a building and is, is the guy, you know, upstairs or downstairs? That's not just the direction of the sound exactly, right? It's like, is the sound muffled by intervening surfaces and all that? And yeah. that's not really, the problem is, you can't get that by plugging into some sound back. The sound back end can do that other part, the position. Yeah. But like you have to feed it source data that tells it the geometry of your level. Like, so again, going back to the nineties, AMD actually, I forget what it was called, but they were trying to do this initiative of like bouncing rays around a simplified version of the environments. You could do like a much more accurate version of the thing. And it didn't fly back then because people just didn't care enough about audio to try and do that. Or maybe it mm. didn't work well enough because CPUs were a lot slower back then. Right. Um, now the problem is just, you know, think about all the effort it is to set up Tarkov maps already. Right. Yeah. Um, and you most complex maps of any game and, and you still end up with problems in obvious places. So like I was watching people play streets and there's that one like balcony right in front of whatever important locked door. And there's some sheet hanging there that like disappears and reappears when you yeah. move your head slightly. Right. Like gl there's glaring errors like that. And that's just because there's it's hard to do all this yeah. stuff. Right. Yeah. Now imagine. So now there's already in addition to the visuals. There's already invisible stuff that has to be managed, which you already probably have a lot of complaints with, which is just like, what do you collide with and what don't you? What is like a cosmetic object on the ground that's not going to change your elevation as you run over it and is not going to like stop you if you hit it at an angle or what is, right? And that in most modern games, for the most part, is modeled separately. Sometimes if it's big stuff like walls, it could sort of be the same thing. Yeah. And I don't know how they do it in Tarkov, but for most games, it's like, there's this whole set of invisible existence of the level. That's what you collide with. <laughs> yep. And because that's invisible, it's like maybe if you make a mistake there, it's harder to catch because most of your playtime, yeah. you know, if you don't, you could have an invisible collision volume that's like a wall just floating in space somewhere. And 99.99% of playtime, nobody collides with that. And in one second they do, but maybe they were looking away and didn't notice, right? Like things like that could happen. So imagine you have another one of those 
but it's about what is the simplified environment that like sound waves bounce off because that's different from collision. It's kind of related to collision. And honestly, I would try to start with the collision data and then use it. But like collision data could have gaps in it that's actually bad for audio. Right? Yep. Um, audio has to be much more hermetically sealed. And the problem with audio is when there's a mistake, <laughs> how do you really, it's, it's like in networking, like what if sometimes 5% of your packets take an extra 30 milliseconds? Like you'll, it's, it's you'll never know. Unless you have very strict debugging on that, you're not going to notice, but it could be a bad bug, right? And so audio is similar, right? And so there's that whole layer. It's a very high effort thing, but um, I think ever since we had this wave of VRs, um, starting with, I don't know, PUBG or whatever before PUBG years ago, it became very clear that in these multiplayer games, you care about footsteps, you care about yeah. gun sound, right? And like, a big dimension of player skill is those things. And so you just got to prioritize that. And it's hard. Like I said, it's hard, but you have to do a good job. Of it, right? You got it. You, so, you'll just have to go and watch my three hour documentary <laughs> that I made on audio. Literally the, the, the title of the video is why it's basically like Tarkov audio and why you're wrong about everything. And it's all about why it's hard. It's all about yeah. the challenges. And, and, and what I did was, exactly what you're talking about which is you would never know unless you do a very specific set of things so with the new audio system this oculus audio right there's this binaural audio checkbox so i'd spent like nine months telling everybody with steam audio to turn it on and then by uh, this new system came out it's with the same checkbox and everybody was split some people were saying put it on it changes everything some people were saying turn it off it changes everything some were saying there's frame rate issues whatever i went in and i know especially from when i worked on this video how impossible it is so think about this you hear some sounds you have to check a checkbox and it says restart the game to have your settings so then you leave the game a two five seven ten minutes goes by you open up a new map with new sounds and you go it sounds different. I instantly know you are not ever, ever going to compare apples to apples ever. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I went and I made another test <laughs> where I said, here's every single thing. You tell me if it sounds different, if it sounds the same. And the graphs like don't lie where I discovered that binaural audio, the checkbox, it does nothing. Currently. The, first question, the first question I whether it's bugged or they just didn't plug it in properly or you know whatever um the first question i asked was what's different a or b and then i played them the same sound and 60 percent of the people said no difference the rest said a the rest said b and then the yeah. next one i played them with binaural on and binaural off and i said what's different and it was 60 percent said you know and it was and then i snuck in some steam audio ones from a year ago and it was 98% said behind, and they got it correct, whereas everyone else was 50-50, you know? Yep. Um, yeah. But how could you ever know if you're a player what's good or what's not? And then people also said, well, how did this get through testing? Well, honestly, it's because the testers are exactly in the same position as you in that yeah. unless you're like a scientific method engineer nerd like me, I, I don't know who would go through the logic to to – think that way you know i don't know it's it's like almost impossible to expect it to ever actually work right yeah i mean having to restart between yeah 
like that makes it very hard to work on something, right? Um, but also, I would just I would pick one thing and just try to make that one thing good rather than give people options, you know? Because it is it's so difficult. Like like people are classically very ruled by sound, right? To yeah. the point. Well, also, I mean, this is a this is a totally different topic, but like. You can pretend to tweak game balance on guns, but actually just change the sound effect, and people will be like, "Oh, this this gun is way better now." Yeah, but you you just put some bass boost into the into the sounds, right? Um, but it's it's very hard. Uh, it's bugs can be very hard to catch, <laughs> and there's no um, you know when pixels are wrong, you can just sit there and stare for thirty seconds if the pixels are wrong, and sound is so yeah. transient. But also, so there's that problem. There's the problem that they're working with an engine they didn't write, and I don't, I don't know what constraints that puts on it. Right. That said, I wouldn't try using any of this stuff. I would just write a mixer because that's what we. So that's what I did in the witness is I wrote a mixer by hand. Right. That was that took some of the time of six years. And in that game, it's a single player game. It's it's way less important to localize sounds than it is in a multiplayer game. Right. Because yep. you'll die if you get it wrong. Yeah. But still, like. I, I wanted the spatial sound to be good, and I think it's I think it's pretty good. Um, but what I was shocked to learn, at least insofar as I could figure it out, is like there's not really a right answer anyway. So if I'm like, look, I can sit down, I could program anything. What am I supposed to do when there's some speakers or some headphones and a sound is in a certain position? What is mathematically the right answer? For I mean, for some simplified model, because actually the right answer is do a perfect physical simulation of yeah. you know an exact replica of the environment, but you can't do that. And so for that person and their ears and their yeah, yeah. yeah. But even something simple like I'm in a void in space with a sound around me, and I've got like four speakers. <laughs> what is the right answer? And it's like there's actually not a right answer, actually. People just kind of do stuff, and people have different opinions in the pro audio world about what. Because, like, okay, so like a sound's over here. I've just got headphones, right? It's directly left. How much of it should I hear in my right ear? Yeah. The answer's not zero. It, yep. It's not zero, right? And so, like, how much? And so there, you just kind of pick some number, and maybe maybe it goes between that and a hundred percent as you go this way or something. But now, okay, now there's four speakers, right? Now there's eight. Like, how do you figure it out? And it's just like arbitrary, and it's an art trying to yeah. um, make these things good. But, but again, that's our job, though, right? But also, <laughs> and, don't and forget, do don't forget that you're pumping your sound through someone who might have Dolby Atmos and Windows Sonic through their 7.1 magical processing. That's exactly what I found. It's these are the reasons why my video was three hours long. Yeah. Was I, I found out thousands of people were ruining their own audio experience completely by turning other software on, and they turned it off, and it was like yeah. it was like colorblind could see colors. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Or or these days you go to Best Buy and you get a flat screen TV that's mounted on the wall, and the speakers are on the back. Yeah. So they feed sound into the wall. I want to bounce it off, and everything sounds like this. Um. Or like there's computer monitors that have speakers built in that are effectively doing the same thing, yep. but just not quite as bad because there's a few inches. Yep. Like, yeah, it's, it is, it is hard to deal with, but Ugh. you know, I mean, again, that's our job. Uh, but, but yeah, like if, so, so for the difficult, cause I know one of the things that people are having with this wipe is just like, 
it sounds like there's no spatial separation between floors on a building. I can't tell yeah. if someone's upstairs, downstairs. Um, part of that is this thing about, okay, well, there's like a smooth brain part that I wish this game would do. And then there's a complicated part that's about, like what I said, imagine there's a whole other map that's an invisible version of the map you're on, and it has to be correct for the sound to move correctly, right? Like, Because that's what you have to do. All of um, the occlusion <laughs> of all of the important yeah, yeah. geometries. Yeah, in some sense, it's a little easier because it doesn't have all the visual detail and all that. But for that reason, you have fewer people working on it. And any anywhere there's a crack, sound is going to come through, if you even have a system that could handle that, right? Um, but you know something PUBG did uh, because they didn't have super intense programmers on this. They had this very simple hack where it's like footsteps from upstairs play a different sound effect. We ran some processing on the sound effect, and it's just different. Upstairs is a different effect. Downstairs is a different effect, and that works very well in that game. It's not like spatialized audio in a high tech way. Interesting. But there's just like not a question in PUBG. As bad as PUBG is technically. And it's really bad still in a lot of ways. Um, that was a design. It's more of a design approach to the problem. Yeah. And it helps. Like you just, it's unambiguous <laughs> that there's somebody in the attic above you. In that but that's because learned though, right? Like I think that's the the only downside to that is it's something that's learned where if, if you take a, someone and sit them down and play in the sound the first time ever without yeah. ever knowing, they never were able to hear the sound and do the learning, the connection. Yeah then yeah. you what you don't know tarkov used to actually do that they used to do different eq for above versus below and that arbitrariness mixed with the fact that the complexity of the maps the way yeah. they are there was never any repetition you'd never experience the same thing twice so you could never learn and yeah. it was really hard yeah it was, so when i when i did the steam audio stuff i literally learned some of the basics of unity learned how hrtf works and I made a 3D environment. And I mean, literally to get the localized sound, it was check a box. And it's <laughs> like, you play a sound and I, you know, you get perfect local, well, not perfect, but you know, if you close your eyes and show it to a hundred people and play them a sound, 96 of them will say that's above, that's below, that's to the left, that's to the right. And like the video like, proves it. And then the other, the other aspect that they never put in, because what Tarkov has historically had was they manually built all the occlusion themselves. So some of the yeah. issues there, when you're just kind of going with the best you can, yeah. the compromise is you look at like a three story staircase, like in factory, it's three boxes. So even though you're at the top of the stairwell, looking down, it sounds like they're a million miles away. It's completely muffled footsteps. So that when you're on the top stairs, a little bit back, all of a sudden, Step, 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 bang, you're dead. Yeah, because you yeah. heard nothing coming up because it was like six occlusion layers in between. Yeah. Um, but with like well, with, that's kind of when you need the sound bouncing sideways to the environment and yeah. back, right? Which, Which is, is exactly what Steam Audio exactly. Yeah. And that's what Steam Audio did. Or or they never implemented Could have the, done. that additional part. But the way that you do that is you basically go and you say, This geometry here is wood. This geometry here is concrete and it definitely can be taxing and i think that was one of the biggest issues is they i think they ran into performance stuff but you'd be surprised how amazing it is and i did the demo where you hear a sound and they even had like the floating orb had like the yeah. the three minute scav yelling from like the movie the, the oh, hilarious yeah. thing where he's just screaming and it was like yeah. walk up the stairwell and you hear it you don't you no longer can pinpoint 
where it is. Once you go up one flight of stairs, it's just all around you. Yeah. But oh, it was it was really natural and everything. And I think they'll be able to do the same thing with with Oculus. It's just awkward. I mean, yeah, I mean, the good news is all this stuff is fixable. The bad news is it's hard and tweaky, right? Yeah. And so the thing you were talking about, about the simple HRTF demo, right? You might be tempted to think, well, how hard could it be to at least get the direction right? Like maybe the materials are hard, but look, I can just run this demo where the direction is perfect. The thing to keep in mind there is if you do this sound bouncing around, you, like imagine, imagine you're in a fight with a dude and he's in some room, it's a concrete room or something and the door is open, right? And you're you're on there's a wall between you and him, and there's like four or five feet on the wall, right? And so if he makes sounds in there that you care a lot about, what direction should they come from, right? In real life, they're actually you're not going to hear very much through that concrete. You might hear a very, very, very low-pass filter version of things, but it also takes longer, right? The the faster full frequency thing is going to bounce through the doorway. Yeah, so direction yes but but the predominant direction that you will hear it from is not the exact the geometric direction where the guy is it's yeah. through the doorway that you're hearing it through right and so now as soon as you have mistakes in the map where like sound is leaking through here or whatever the direction could be totally wrong or you could be on the other side of a wall imagine the reflection through the doorway didn't work for some reason because you didn't cast enough mm. rays but a leak through the ceiling did work and it bounced over the wall but didn't bounce through totally wrong direction yep yeah and like that's that's just the kind of stuff that could happen when this isn't perfect right and, and you so, ask anyone and you say what should it sound like unless you're have been in a room and have heard an ak shoot from down the hall like yeah. nobody knows the right answer right you kind of <laughs> have to just say like i think it sounds okay but when yeah. sometimes people don't have you know the most amazing judgment in terms of whatever then you just end up with things that are ambiguous some people yeah. are like i think it's good some people are like it's god awful and you know who who knows yeah yeah are we are we uh we've been going for two hours I yeah yeah like yeah that. no i think uh <laughs> I, I don't want to i don't want to take up uh you know any more of your time this was like unbelievable yeah. unbelievable like i can already tell from from the comments and everything that oh that yeah this is like one of the coolest conversations we have ever had and and the ability to like get so much wisdom from someone who actually knows not just someone pretending yep to maybe have recently learned you know like is is <laughs> amazing that, yeah yeah. Um, no, thanks for the kind comments, and you guys are are great hosts. And thanks for having me on. And good luck with the game. Um, <laughs> yeah, thank you. Good luck getting kicked in the nuts over and over. Over day. and over. Let us know if you want to come and and get kicked in the nuts, <laughs> in the with nuts us. together. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, right seriously. On. Thank you so much for for your time and just like it's just crazy how it all connected and and the fact that you even came across V's video and that you've played Tarkov and were interested enough in it and so. Uh, it's been it's been awesome. So thank you, thank you for your yeah, time. I mean, the last thing I would like to say before, just just so it's on the record, right? It's the internet. Someone's gonna find like one sentence that I said that sounds super negative about Tarkov, and they're gonna clip it and put it on YouTube <laughs> along with like a Soldier Boy clip or something because that's <laughs> something people like to to do with me. Um, uh, I mean, my, my honest opinion about the game is like you know, there's like there's a lot of games I don't respect that much and i'll say so very clearly like i tried playing battlefield 2042 last year and it was it was terrible right and i don't think there's much excuse for how bad it was yeah I, you know, it's just a badly run game project 
Um, that doesn't mean the particular people on the on the line, yeah. but like the management and all that was terrible, right? <laughs> and, um, but Tarkov is like one of these few games. Like I follow it. I still like. I don't know what year I first played it. Was it 2019, 2018, something like that? Um, probably 2019. Um, but I'm still following it four years later. Which how many games? And I would like to play it. I tried to play it a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Right? Um, and I just I really respect that they're trying something new. They're doing something very hard. They're not trying something new that's like kind of easy or medium. It's yeah. like we're going to have a whole world scale shopping mall with all the shops one to one, right? Or you know we're going to have a whole you know like yeah. people just don't try that anymore because honestly game development is so hard. It's it's very difficult to try to find people who do things that are ambitious that way and so i really yeah. respect that i really respect that their design is very different there's not that many like i got into well i've been in games for a long time but i got in as sort of the indie designer who was doing different stuff and there was this big explosion of indie games but now most of them aren't doing things that are that different most of them are kind of like trying to be triple a on a low budget right mm. and tarkov is like it's trying to be its own thing and that's super cool and um like I hope they continue that, and I hope the game keeps getting better. And I, as soon as I'm back home, I'll try. I'll try playing it when I'm on a real gaming <laughs> laptop. I'm on right now. Amen. Uh, but Good thank luck. you for having me. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. See ya. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you so much. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.